0: I can move you. Make it move you. Make it move you. Six. Six. Five. Five. Four. Three. Two. One.
2: Welcome to another fun-filled episode of Rank and Review. This episode, returning guest Rayleigh Perkins is going to help your host and Random Canadian Larry Parsons, that's me, break down all six of the current Terminator feature films. This was by special request from Rayleigh, and I was happy to have her back on the podcast, so I'm looking forward to get into it. Uh, Trick is, with time travel, is that it gets complicated. And usually with six different movies and possibly six different timelines, uh, it can get messy. So what are we going to do with this rank when we talk about six Terminator movies? You're going to have to just listen to find out. If you have feedback for me, you can send it to rankandreview at gmail.com. That's R-A-N-K-N-R-E-V-I-E-W at gmail.com. My website is rankandreview.ca and I really appreciate your ears. You should go into the podcast as usual knowing that there will be coarse language and there will be spoilers. Please tell a friend about Rank and Review, and thank you for being here. (laughs) Miss Rayleigh Perkins! is back on Rank and Review and I am super happy about this. Not just because I thought you were a really good guest last time, but because I have to confess that I have a real shortage of authentic human females on this podcast. <laughs> so <to> <laughs> thank you, thank you. I mean, uh, it's funny because I was thinking about it with the Terminator franchise. On on its face, it's like this sci-fi action sort of cyberpunk shoot up And it sort of screams at least from my young age Kind of macho dude stuff But in this macho dude stuff universe We have some real girl power <laughs> Throughout it Like almost almost every entry Has some good representation in that respect And the Almost Almost <laughs> Yeah, no, I flagged it I think we're on the same page <laughs> But, um I didn't clock it as much when I was a kid. I mean, I I loved Sarah Connor and I loved the whole Terminator franchise. In fact, I had a birthday party that centered around a theatrical screening of Terminator 2 to date myself. But, like, uh, everybody was into those first two Terminators. Everybody. Like, guys, girls, sort of, everybody sort of saw the appeal of it. Last time you were on the show, I was very happy to have you and I asked if there was anything that you specifically wanted to do and the first thing that came out was Terminator. So I'm curious, why Terminator? I'm happy Terminator, I'm not fighting you at all, but why is Rayleigh so infatuated with Terminator?
3: Uh, I, so I'm a little bit younger than you, so like I came to age in the second Terminator, like that was kind of my very formative years and I had visceral memories like I can of seeing it for the first time like I can tell you whose basement I was in I can tell you what their basement looked like I can tell you what we had for snack. like I was just enthralled by Terminator 2 and I wasn't a kid who kind of liked those movies like I was late into coming into uh, these types of movies usually but ter- except for Terminator 2 and I have revisited Like, other than Jurassic Park, Terminator 2 is probably the movie I've revisited the most for, like, comfort. Like, some people, like, I don't even know what some, like, romantic comedies. I don't know. Like, those are, like, their comfort movies. Like, mine is, like, I wake up after having too much to drink and I'm hungover and I, like, turn on Terminator 2 and just, like, stare at the screen. And every time I turn it on, I'm, like, "Ah, I'm just going to put it on in the background and, like, do some stuff around the house. And like I cannot look away I I can't so and then so I kind of have watched all the other ones um from just that uh, emotional attachment to Terminator 2 and I never I had never watched them as a series
2: like I had never sat down so then I came back I had never actually seen Terminator 1 oh wow until until this podcast
3: no no like like I watched it much later though oh I see I didn't have the context of, of her and the first of Sarah Connor and that whole, the whole timeline of the first Terminator, um, but I'd, I'd always kind of watched them as like individual movies, and I so I, I wanted to see how they all worked together as a unit. that's kind of was like why I was really glad you were like pumped
2: when I said it. No, of, no, I'm yeah. all aboard. Um, yeah, I think that for me to answer the question that you, you have there they almost work better as isolated films as they do a series of films. I will say upon revisiting almost uniformly, I liked the movies more upon revisiting them. That doesn't necessarily mean I'm going to be raving about all of them, but like there was a couple of these films coming to revisit them for the podcast. I was like, okay, here we go. Let's watch this one just to get her out of the way. And I honestly found more to like, I think because you have, a previous investment in in the the characters and in the storylines, when things go off cue, it can kind of spoil the meal for you right away, and you just get grumpy and you refuse to look at anything that actually works in the movies. And I think that's my focus for this one. Like, I'm not going to say that I love all of these movies, but I'm going to try and focus more on the stuff that works within them. <laughs> um, I I it gets messy with time travel for me, and. Oh travel stuff you just kind of have to ignore it yeah and I, I, t- I, I had a timeline i was like trying to keep track and no no no, no. G- <laughs> give up quickly um and i think on that nature as much as we have six canon terminator movies to look at looking at them a piece at a time makes the most sense even the two like jim cameron ones terminator one and two they are distinct enough like you you, you if someone told me that it was a different writer director from the first film to the second i would believe it it's it's not but i would believe it um okay. so i it's an interesting franchise to me on that motion. it doesn't really work for me as a series but it works for me as a bunch of fun sci-fi action films standing okay. alone
3: for this viewing like did you watch them in order like, i sure did yeah yeah okay. i kind of now see it as like the james cameron terminators <laughs> And the three, four, and five. Like I view them as almost two sort of distinct groups right. of movies. And they're both good in their own ways. Like there's, like you said, there's good things about three, four, and five. That one, two, and six, and you know all that. But like I kind of really did see like James Cameron had this vision, and he just like did. Yeah, that's kind of how when I that was what stood out to me when we when I watched them this time with sort of that order.
2: I also think the arc of this story is sort of the, I'll say disappointing sort of trajectory of the career of James Cameron. Honestly, like early in his career, he was hard to, hard to beat. Terminator, Aliens, The Abyss, Terminator 2, basically right up until True Lies, he was just a really dependable director for me. And then True Lies happened, and it has been diminishing returns ever since. And didn't he,
3: wasn't he like almost bankrupt with the first Terminator or something? There's
2: like some story about how he was like pretty... Well, he was not a wealthy guy. He wrote the screenplay while he was driving trucks or something. I remember reading some something about him parking his... I'm sorry?
3: Which is probably why we have so many trucks
2: being... Oh, maybe that's why. Yeah, that that could well be. I'd heard that he like would park his rig behind a billboards and write this draft. And the the big Hollywood story is is that people read and really liked the screenplay and tried to buy it off of him. And his condition was, "I'm directing." Right. <laughs> uh, so it was a long uphill battle to get it made. But once it was made, his career was made with it. But I I, I thought
3: I heard that he sold it for like really really cheap in on that condition that they yeah. allowed directed and so someone bought it for like next to nothing like bought the script yeah
2: he probably could have lived comfortably as a screenplay writer but he wanted to be a filmmaker yeah another
1: thing about that story
2: yeah another thing that should be mentioned and i, I won't want to talk shit about cameron completely although i do <laughs> um there was a lawsuit involving this screenplay and he was forced to add a writer's name the first movie he Hi. was forced to add the writer's name. I can't remember how it's put at the end credits with acknowledgments to the work of somebody McElroy. But the screenplay and screen story is very close to some pre-existing material. And unfortunately, that's not the first time that's happened with Cameron. So, <laughs> uh, I don't think anybody is interested in more Avatar movies from James Cameron. I I know I'm not, but... Nah. Uh, I really would be interested in seeing him returning to form as the truly epic filmmaker he once was. Because, I'm sorry, True Lies could only exist in the 90s. Anytime you're outside of the 90s, True Lies doesn't work as a film. <laughs> he, yeah. he he directed Titanic. And I think that's, it's fine, but it's also one of the most overrated movies of all time. Like
1: well, it's not the genre he's good at.
2: Yeah. it's like, it, It's not worth getting mad at Titanic, but it is way yeah. overblown it's just way overblown It's so long. It's yeah so, long. so i what i like about the terminator franchise is it reminds me of an era where i could get excited about a jim cameron movie because <laughs> that era is long past for me <laughs> is there anything else you want to say by way of introduction
1: no i think i'm good yeah, to get get into it? It.
2: all right um well i'm going to just list off the six terminator movies just to say that we did <laughs> <laughs> but we're going to list we're going to we review Terminator Terminator 2 Judgment Day Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines Terminator Salvation Terminator Genesis misspelled <laughs> and Terminator Dark Fate. Rayleigh, thank you so much for being here. In the 21st century a weapon will be invented like no other. This weapon will be powerful, versatile, and indestructible. It can't be reasoned with. It can't be bargained with. It will feel no pity, no remorse, no pain, no fear. It will have only one purpose. To return to the present and prevent the future.
1: This weapon will be called the Terminator. You're dead, honey. What day is it? The date? 12th. May. Thursday. What year?
2: The year is 1984, and cinemas don't quite know what hit them with this Terminator movie. It's a hard-R action sci-fi movie that kind of plays like a slasher movie in a lot of ways. You have an unfeeling, unkillable, destructive force coming from the future, from 2029, from nine years from now... (laughs) to kill Sarah Connor before she can be the mother of John Connor, who's going to be the savior of our post-apocalyptic future. And in case you haven't seen the movie, and if you haven't, I'm surprised. This is one of those movies that I just assumed everyone has seen. Kyle Reese, a soldier from the future, is sent back to be her, her protector and savior. I mean, it's an epic movie of the 80s. It was, you know copied and emulated by many action movies in the subsequent years it's one of those movies that's so big and so famous it's hard to even really know what to say about it anymore at this point but we're gonna try we're gonna try it made good use of arnold schwarzenegger who at this phase in his career hollywood wanted to pull the trigger on but weren't quite sure what to do with him yet his accent was pretty thick, and he was a formidable physical presence, but he wasn't yet quite, I think, comfortable in front of the camera. This was the movie, as far as I'm concerned, that made Arnold Schwarzenegger. Conan the Barbarian helped a lot. Don't don't take anything away from that movie. That movie's great. Terminator gave the world Arnold Schwarzenegger the superstar. Uh, I love it because it's a mix of my two of my favorite genres, being horror and sci-fi, and it's just a... Hell of a like forward-moving screenplay. There's not a lot of meandering side things in this movie Even when it feels like it's meandering It's not like I remember being as a kid being really bored when you know Sarah and Reese are starting to get all Googly-eyed on each other and making out but that has to happen. That is a important plot point They need to hook up to save the future the movie wall-to-wall works and despite being a little bit dated Maybe a lot dated, especially with things like the fashion. I still think in 2000 and... What are we, 20 now, is it?
3: <laughs> in like 2020 for like five years
2: now. Yeah. Uh, it still works. It still yeah. works. There might be a few things that might make people kind of snicker who weren't comfortable or, or familiar with the 80s, but I honestly think Terminator wall-to-wall still works. Where does Ray That's Lee awesome. land?
3: When I revisited it for this podcast, I was trying to think of what other movies would have been around it at this time that would have been in that sort of genre. Like, there, I mean, and, and this was the first time I really looked at it like a slasher flick. I always kind of had it in my head as a sort of sci-fi robot movie. And then this time I was like very, that slasher flick feel really came out and I actually... Texted our mutual friend Lee, who is always on this podcast, and said, "He this movie reminds me of No Country for Old Men.
1: Oh, like, wow.
3: With that, like, sort of that, uh, like you said, unmovable, he just, he's very slow, he's kind of cumbersome. Right. Never back. That village is just this, like, force that you just cannot stop, no matter where you do, what you do, or where you hide, or... And
2: that had never really come out before. There's no reasoning. You can't reason with this machine. It's not going to feel sympathy for you. You can't say, but I've got kids to take care of. It doesn't care. It's got a program it's going to execute. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so
3: that was the one thing that really stood out to me this time. But what other movies would have been around at this time? Like, I was trying to think of, like, there
1: would have been a lot.
2: Well, sci-fi was weirdly, yeah, there was, sci-fi was weirdly popular in the 80s, but it was, like, uh, the afterspill of, like, Star Wars, so we'd have, like, these goofy Battle Beyond the Stars, you know, or really 80s cheesy kind of sci-fi, like Enemy Mine or The Last Starfighter, but what Terminator was was an adult science fiction movie, like, it, it brought the violence and, like, the explosions and sort of the popcorn fare but it's a hard r executed film yeah i also like because in other movies the damsel in distress would be frustrating at how she's constantly just going hysterical and screaming for other people to help her and not taking her own agency but because i know how far they're gonna take this sarah connor character it's actually kind of awesome to see her so by contrast pathetic and weak because she becomes so super hard as we go forward. And uh, it's a real arc that we start to witness.
3: Um, and I was actually surprised that she came into that in this movie. I always remember the first movie, Sarah Connor just being that damsel in distress, and sort of this like one-dimensional character that was just there for a plot point, and not really, I didn't, she wasn't my favorite character in right. Terminator 1. Um, and then when I watched it this time, like by the end of the movie, she's really starting to embrace that, like, badass Connor that we see in the second one. Yeah. Like, she still has the, like, girly hair and the girly clothes and stuff, but it's, like, it's there. That seed is planted.
1: Yeah.
3: And, like, her last line, well, her last line, not really, because she has the monologue at the end, when she's in the chief or whatever, is, like, you're terminated, fucker. Yeah. (laughs) That is a great line. Like, it's just, like, when she said that, I was, like...
2: Well, and there's this turn that happens where, uh, for the first half of the movie, Reese is motivating her. You need to listen to me. You have to, you know, this is life or death. You can't dawdle. You can't call your mom and tell her where you are. You can't do stupid things. The future of our existence is at stake. And that translates, or or transitions, pardon me, later into the film, to her yelling at Reese, on your feet, soldier. We got to keep moving. Like, she ends up, you know, (laughs) <laughs> she ends up basically uh, trying to keep it together for him for the, during the third act a little bit. Michael Bean, interesting actor of the 80s. Always liked seeing him on screen, but by most accounts, just a real difficult guy to deal with in the real world. <laughs> uh, that could be said the same thing about James Cameron. Apparently, Cameron has his inner circle, and if you're in his inner circle, great, but generally speaking... Um, he, he, he's difficult by all accounts it's his way or you're fired type of mentality <laughs>
3: and so did, were him and Linda Hamilton married at this point or did they get married later
2: I believe that they got together during the production of this okay. and that they they ended up separating somewhere around the Titanic thing uh,
1: good
3: on you Linda good on ya
2: yeah uh, it, that was one of the big surprises about Dark Fate to jump five movies ahead, that Linda Hamilton returned, even though Cameron was a producer and had a writing credit on it. Uh, a lot of people didn't think those two would ever work together in any kind of capacity again, so that was interesting. It
1: didn't
3: sound like it, no. <laughs> but has she done much? Like, I'm trying to think of other Linda Hamilton films after that have reached any kind of this level of
2: Okay, well, she did a lot of TV. There was an uh, 80s TV show called Beauty and the Beast that she did several seasons of. Um, And because of her connection with the Terminator franchise, she would show up in sort of action-adventure-spectacle movies now and again. Um, I want to say Dante's Peak. Um, And uh, from my childhood, King Kong lives. (laughs) One of the worst of the King Kong franchise. <laughs> so, <laughs> well done. Well done. Um, I guess I want to take it back to Terminator, though, uh, the, the movie. Another thing that I really do like about the movie is how it's full of really great character actors from the 80s, but a lot of them are still around today. Paul Winfield, Lance Henriksen, you know, a, a, a lot of the faces that you see... Uh, peripherally even the psychiatrist he's one of the classic that guy faces I couldn't tell you his name but I've seen yeah. that dude in dozens of things <laughs> and, and when you watched it in like... sorry say again well, again like he comes back in the second one like I always remember that
3: character from the second movie so when I placed him in the first one like, that was, that was too yeah they
2: brought him back. it was not it was a nice touch but it's kind of interesting yeah, cool. just it sort of speaks to the level of quality casting that the movie had because even the small roles are either actors that at the time weren't big but would subsequently become huge or you know just good faces genre faces to see and that couldn't have been done in a calculated way like today you could cast your movie with a bunch of genre faces saying yeah the people will like this but that's not what they were doing in 84. They were just trying to put together the best cast that they could. And like I said, whoever was in the casting department did a great job. Apparently the producers really wanted O.J. Simpson as the Terminator.
3: Ooh, that wouldn't have dated
2: well. I don't know. Well, again, he was, he was a rising popular figure at the time. It was before the dark period of O.J., but like... I just I'm I'm trying to picture what that movie would be in my head, and it's just not scary to me. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe maybe it could have worked, but there's weirdly perfect casting here for Schwarzenegger. Well, and uh, like even though
3: Arnold Schwarzenegger is quite prolific, and we have lots of different roles and lots of bigger roles and things like that, like this is the only role, like this is the first role when I think of his name that I come up with, like. I could tell you some of his other movies for sure, but I'm going to tell you, like, this was the first one that popped into my head, like, every time I think about him. Yeah. And I think, like you said, it just, like, made his, like, launched his career, right?
2: Yeah. Well, in, in the early 80s, like, before he'd sort of been comfortable, like I said, in front of the camera and with his accent super thick, he was really best used in movies like this. where he was just a strong physical presence. Same thing with the Conan the Barbarian. I mean, I don't know who else you cast cast to be in that part, but, like, it was the right actor for the the right role. Yeah. And he got two or three of those in a role, and then all of a sudden he just owned Hollywood for several decades. Yeah. And this
3: is also where we start to, like, plant the seeds of, like, what comes later. So that was why it was nice to, like, revisit this after kind of knowing all the other movies, because, like, the classic quote lines, like, I didn't realize they started all the way back in one. Like, I knew two was very quotable, three had some really whatever, whatever, but like, I didn't realize that like, Cameron and the script had planted these seeds right at the beginning yeah. with the like, come with me if you want to live line. I'll
2: there, be back. <laughs>
3: yeah, I'll be back, right? Yeah. Like, all of those ones that when you just want to hear them, as soon as you hear them, like, you're just so happy that those lines were spoken because they're just like,
2: yeah i i kind of go back and forth on that kind of fan service on some level i get it you're acknowledging what happened before but i think that there's a nice middle ground between like maybe have one or two nods maybe one i'll be back or one on your feet soldier as opposed to like hitting it hitting it again and again and maybe in the midst of all of these sort of nostalgic winks you could try to establish some new ones Like, in Terminator 2, they went up, they knocked it up to hasta la vista, (laughs) right? Uh, At least they were trying to give a a new catchphrase instead of just repeating the old ones, which I think some of the later episodes might be guilty of.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That's fair.
2: Yeah. Special effects. Like, like, I was thinking of all the car
3: chases. like, I was like, when I first started, I was like, trying. to of like all the different vehicles we get to see. And I'm like a six year old kid. I'm like, okay, we have a garbage truck, we have a semi truck, we have a fire truck. I don't think there's actually a fire truck. But like, but like, again, like those car scenes, those car chase scenes are just so good. Like I just get so excited and they like smash through the pylons and they're like, they're
2: just so good. Yeah i I want to compliment two things the the special effects yes it's nineteen eighty four and some of them look better than others, but I want to say for nineteen eighty four and for the budget they were working in, there's a couple of shots where you're not fooled by the prosthetics when the terminator's fixing himself, and there's a couple of stop motion shots of the of the fully articulated like uh cyborg when the skin's all cooked off of it, which I don't think you're gonna fool anybody today, but the context of what's going on in the movie and the stress of the scene that you're in. If you're in the movie, it's sort of like Jaws. Yeah. When Jaws hops out of the water and lands on the boat in the third act of Jaws, shark doesn't look great, but you're in the movie so much that you're nakedly terrified anyway. So I I have to compliment that. And I also want to compliment the score because I do think it's strangely iconic. Uh, the idea of doing a digital or electronic score for movies got really popular in the eighties, but because the, the art was in its infancy infancy, a lot of them sound terrible. Like when you revisit them now, especially like comedies that have this weird mix of 80s saxophone and 80s synth. It's like, it's like elevator music in hell. It's just the worst thing possible. Somehow this restrained metallic, Cynthia grinding score really worked beneficially both for the theme of the story being told and as both a sci-fi and a horror movie score. You're not going to be confused by it when you listen to it. It's very '80s, but I still think it holds up really well. It reminds, it, in, it, sorry, it,
3: it, well, it just has that like very monotonous feel to it too. Like it's just kind of this like repetitive sort of just kind of. It's not it's great but it's not like all over the place like it's just this very sort of like and it is, I
2: it. Yeah. droning grinding metallic sounds there's just sort of propelling you through yeah. the story um uh, i don't know it's just it'd be really easy to say that lindy hamilton's awesome in the movie and and that you know michael bean is badass but i'm trying to sort of Flag some stuff that doesn't regularly get the, the, the shout outs. I do think that that Terminator theme is iconic. That, that really deep bass drum hits, Bum, bump, bum, bum, bump, 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 iconic. It's, it, as far as I'm concerned, right up there with like the psycho theme or anything like that. Like, you know, right where you are. You sit down in the theater and the lights go dark and you just hear that first few seconds of soundtrack and you're like, here we go.
3: <laughs> yeah, and it- and it when it's was the first time in number six, I was
2: like, yeah, that I
1: had that response to it. I was just like, it's coming! <laughs> it's
2: happening! <laughs> but it's interesting because I don't think that they could have possibly known in 84 like that they were setting these seeds for future Terminator movies. Or just how influential this movie and the score and this everything would be. I mean... James Cameron had worked on a lot of like cheaper B-movies and produ- production and sort of special effects background, but this was his baby, announcing himself to the world, James Cameron is here and I have stories to tell, and um, yay, I just can't thank him enough for Terminator. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't
1: know,
3: again, because it was sort of one of, like, nothing else was kind of comparable that I can think of, really, um, I don't really know if anyone thought it was going to go anywhere. <laughs> Like, it ended up going a lot of places. But I don't know at the time if they realized, like, what they were in when they were doing it,
1: right?
3: Especially, like I said, they probably took a bit of a gamble on Arnold Schwarzenegger. Like, I think he's, like, iconic in the role. I don't think there could have been anyone else now. But, like, that was a bit of a risk of of doing that. O.J. Simpson might have had a little bit more fame. Or there might have been some other actors that could have brought a little bit of
2: notoriety. All they had at the time, all they had at the time to get people into the seats was the story. Arnold Schwarzenegger wasn't going to be the draw that was going to put butts in seats. And nobody knew Linda Hamilton and Michael Bean particularly at this time. So they had to put together an amazing trailer and get people to come. And they did. And to his, to his, to be complimentary, because I know I sound like I've been talking shit about Cameron. He took his time on his sequel. He didn't rush out the gate and do Terminator 2 right away, which is I'm sure what they probably wanted him to do. He waited until 1992 to make another Terminator movie.
1: Seven years, I think it was?
3: Yeah. Seven years? Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I actually did keep track of how much time lapsed between each movie because right. it's like, it's not just like, I mean, one after another, like they weren't just turning them out at all. Like, it's been how many years now? It's the first one to the
2: sixth one right so um, part of yeah. it is the production i think when you're talking about a 100 to 200 million dollar production and collecting this increasingly successful popular cast to get together it's not as easy to throw together a terminator movie <laughs> as like say if you're doing a paranormal activity or a saw or a final destination and cranking a new one out every year cuz you get a new cast It's not science fiction, so you don't have to worry about a post-apocalyptic landscape and future tanks shooting robots out of the sky. That's one thing that I think The Terminator does a really great job at hinting at, this dark, terrible future where, like, the ground is covered with bones. And, like, we've seen post-apocalyptic worlds, but I think for me as a kid in the 80s, this was one of the more hopeless presentations of the future that I'd ever seen. Well, and it just
3: shows you kind of glimpses of it, right? Like, so there's a lot like, how did we get there? What happened? What like what's gonna happen next? So again that like sort of leaving so much to your imagination yeah. to like imagine this sort of future world, knowing these sort of key pieces. You know there's gonna be a war, we know it's gonna be between the the resistance and Skynet, they're gonna create these Terminators, but like that's kinda all the information you get, other than like you said, these glimpses of like foam and like explosions and things. So I do get kind of like always sort of wondering like what that what are the steps that led to that and what's gonna happen afterwards which I think is like so much better than like being with you you know
2: what I mean. But as a kid, I remember seeing those scenes and thinking, man, it would be so awesome if they did a whole movie set in that world. Be careful what you wish for. Says
3: 2009 Salvation.
2: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> is there anything else you want to say about Terminator? I, I don't know. Like I feel like we're just sort of being the Cole's notes on it, but it's such a famous movie. Like
3: this is hard. I will say, like the one at the very end of the movie when she's just like in the Jeep by herself, mm-hmm. and like, they the picture of her and the the gas station. Yep, yeah. full circle. The, the picture that Kyle Reese had. That was a nice touch. Yeah, I was gonna say that was just a really nice like. Because I, I was like, yeah, I didn't really remember that detail. I remember he had a photograph, and that's why he went back because she's already in love with her,
2: blah, blah, blah. But, like. I love that, everything about that ending.
3: It's not a love story. And I really like that it's like, it is a love story. It's like the love story that's going to save the world, but, like, that's secondary to everything else that's happening. Yeah. And I like that it doesn't really focus too much on that. Because, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, I just want that photograph. Her at the end
2: getting that picture
3: taken was just
1: like a nice, yeah. Oh, well I think
2: done. <laughs> it's a great ending, too. Even if there was no other Terminator movies, like it would be such a solid ending. She's got the Jeep, she's looking more bad, badass, and militarized. She's got the dog with her to help her, you know, identify Terminators if they come close. And she drives off into this cloudy, uncertain future, and great ending, yeah. like she's one she's carrying the seed of the future it's not completely resolved but you're like go girl go and if there hadn't been any i'm glad that there were but if there hadn't been any more terminator movies still completely as a single unit just really well done
3: and for kind of a hopeless movie it ended really hopeful. yeah i think that was the other thing. like the whole movie is like what? what what now oh my god get out of there <laughs> and then drop off in the sunset with her dog and it's this really hopeful ending to this sort of otherwise quite bleak movie. Yeah. Alright, I, I, like you said, it could have been an old, independent thing and it would have been perfectly, uh, like, completely unit on its own, right? I really like that. I think I'm
2: good. I think I'm good. Alright, well, let's move on to Judgment. Mom! Come with me if you want to live.
1: Really, real.
2: His loyalty is to a child
1: who sent you.
2: You did 35 years from now, and his enemy, he's
1: a Terminator like you, right?
2: Not like me, is the deadliest machine ever built. Can it be
1: destroyed?
2: Unknown. This time,
1: there are two Terminator (laughs) 2.
0: just can't go around killing people.
2: Why? If you thought you had seen it all...
1: Look again. Stay down! Go! Now!
2: Schwarzenegger. Terminator 2 Judgment Day. This time he's back. For good. Trust me. I misspoke earlier. It was 1991 for Terminator 2 apparently. According to IMDB. I thought it was 92. I hate myself.
1: (laughs) Okay.
2: (laughs) Uh, One of the benefits I think of waiting as long as he did to do a sequel to the Terminator was a Schwarzenegger's star had risen significantly there was a lot of predators and commandos that happened subsequent to terminator that turned his star into something huge Uh, and the special effects um, have evolved to a place where i mean it i think it's catching up to the vision that cameron has for these movies suddenly this movie and jurassic park about two years after it are the two movies that kind of told the world that CGI can do anything. Yeah. But one of the things about Terminator 2 that gets missed when people watch it today is how much of the stuff in it that you think is CGI, that is not. Right. Whenever you're seeing the liquid metal transformations or his arm goes from an arm into a blade, yes, that's CGI. But once the blade's there, that's a physical prop attached to Robert Patrick's arm. And... When he gets exploded and holes pop through him, they actually built dummies to be on set to take these hits. It's not like one of these special effects movies where everything is fully animated. And at this point in time, it couldn't be because it was the infancy of that technology and it was so expensive, like, per second on screen to have this CGI. There's a sequence he did in the movie he made previous to this called The Abyss, where they did a water tentacle This CGI water tentacle lifts out of the water and goes through the uh, underground ship and mimics people's faces. Amazing special effects sequence, and everybody talked about it from the abyss. And basically, he took that incredible feat of special effects and basically turned it into this concept of a liquid metal Terminator. I think about the same amount of time has passed between the two movies, or maybe a little bit more, because John is probably 13 or 14 years old.
3: Yeah.
2: Um, but a new Terminator shows up, and it's not just unkillable. It can look like whoever it wants to look like. It can mimic it's, anybody it's been in contact with. And
3: up the villains so well. Yeah.
2: Like, and it,
3: that was the one thing that just I remember it like was the first time I saw it, and it was like you kind of don't know for a while like who the good guy is and who the bad guy is because all of this stuff. And I mean, so I hadn't the first Terminator, so I didn't have the
2: background, and, like, he's just so much worse Yeah, the first Terminator than the T-800 or whatever Arnold Schwarzenegger's model
3: is, right?
1: Yeah.
2: Well, and like, I think that if you had seen the first movie, again, there's a great bait and switch that's happening. Um, yeah. he does, Robert Patrick does kill a guy when he first gets there, but we don't see it. It looks like he kind of punches the guy and he falls over, but we don't really see what happened right away. The next we see him, he's dressed in clothes, but he's not as physically big as Arnold. He doesn't look as physically intimidating. And so when Arnold shows up, having seen the first movie, we know this guy's a Terminator and he's bad news. And
3: looming, got all of the same things. Yep,
2: like, we're familiar with this guy. And, you know, same setup. He arrives (laughs) butt-naked has to deal with that first. And, yeah, the first time you watch the movie, like, everybody's so used to Terminator 2 now, they understand that Arnie's the good guy. But initially, when you're sitting down to watch the movie, you could be fooled. Like, who is what? What's going on here? I thought that was an interesting thing to play with. My guess is if you've seen the trailer, you probably knew. But I think that that was an interesting, like position to take in the movie let's let's try and keep the audience on their toes as much as possible the other thing that they added to this movie that i think might long term have hurt the franchise it didn't hurt this movie but it hurt the franchise there is significantly more humor and heart in terminator 2 than there is in terminator 1 and i'm not saying that humor and heart are bad things for your movie i'm just saying the first movie was ice cold like An entire police precinct gets executed by a Terminator, (laughs) and like, there's not a lot of moments of levity or, or, or or laughter. Right away in this movie, like when he goes into the bar and gets his clothes, there's, it's violent and there's stakes, but there's something a little bit lighter, a little bit more broadly entertaining. It's not as, right away, it's not as strangely vicious as the first Terminator was.
3: Although Patrick continues with that sort of trajectory. Like
2: there's, like, there's no humor with his character. Nope. He's all business. It's him that happens. But, like, the villain itself, I
3: think, true to that original feel of the
2: first It's just the difference between context jokes and, like, uh, you know, baiting the audience. There's a line where he walks up to a police officer on his big jacked-up bike, and he says, Say, that's a nice bike. And the audience chortles because they know he's going to kill that guy and take his bike. But... The robot doesn't look at us and go, eh? Eh? It's not like a wink line. Like, he's maintaining his cover so that he can get close enough to this guy to kill him. And it's kind of a goofy, sort of maybe a laugh line, if you want to call it that. I think later on in the series, especially with Arnold, as he gets older, they keep on trying to make Arnold be funny. And in other movies, Arnold can be funny. I'm on board with funny Arnold Schwarzenegger, by the way just not when he's playing a fucking robot, <laughs> okay? <laughs> like,
3: yeah, and I feel, too, like, at this point, like you said, he's had a lot more experience, and he's probably done a lot of, like, vocal uh, work, And he, but then he's trying to, like, return to his sort of robotic, original, like, he's grown as a voice actor, like, with his voice and his accent in this time, and he's trying to return back a little bit so that it's kind of that rough feeling that we had in the Terminator 1. And it just, like, it, it works, but it doesn't work. Like, there's just something like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it's like, just be you. Just be Arnold. You don't need to try and be Arnold from 1984. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, it, it works once they get into the emotion ship thing. In the director's cut of Terminator 2, I don't know which one you watched. There is a scene where they get inside the Terminator's head and activate its learning chip. You didn't see that? Oh, yeah. Okay. Uh, so it's not completely necessary to the movie. Like, you could just assume that John and the robot bond for whatever reason. But there is a scene where they actually go into the mechanical part of the brain and make it learn. Um, and I think that gives them a little bit more of excuse for the character to change much more significantly than what we saw in the original Terminator. Plus, I think the stakes that are driven up by the the, the size of the threat of the, the T-1000, the liquid metal Terminator.
3: And I really appreciate, actually, a lot of the scenes where it's just John and the Terminator bantering. Like, they're just, like, in the car, and, and, and John's trying to teach him things about the world. Like, those are, those are great scenes. Like, they're just, like, like you said, they're kind of funny. They're kind of lighter. Um but I enjoy them. Like, I enjoy watching John Connor engage and try and teach this robot, this sort of unfeeling robot, that he's heard all these horror stories from his mom about for yeah. years, and he lived in this, you're a monster, and now they're like, just driving Connor the car, going for a road trip, and I just, I really appreciate that.
2: Well, and I said in the first movie, it's very efficient, it's very streamlined, it's like a slasher movie. There's not a lot of asides. This movie has a lot of asides, but... To the benefit, those asides are for the most part really, really good. It, it, that's one of the flaws, actually, of the director's cut. There's a whole dream sequence with Michael Bean in it, has no business being in the movie. Stops everything dead in its tracks. Uh, we like the bonding between this kid and this robot, this sort of lassie sub story that's going on uh, in the background of the Terminator movie. But seeing uh, you know Sarah Connor mourn you know her past and what should have been and could have been with with Kyle Reese. No, that's in the rearview mirror. We're seven years later and your priority is keeping John alive. Um, I think that the best sequence of this movie and probably the entire Terminator franchise for me is when Ooh. when Edward Furlong forces the Terminator to rescue his mom from the asylum. The entire sequence where he and the Terminator go to the asylum to bust her out and then the T-1000 shows up and she understands the new dynamic. The old Terminator is friendly and this new Terminator is super bad news and Linda Hamilton has to take it all in like just by witnessing it. The stakes, <laughs> the stakes of those sequences, the relevations to the doctors, how they get in, how they get out, just riveting movie making. Like, Just top bar movie making. And like, it's so good that the movie almost never overcomes that sequence for me. Like there's plenty of more awesome action sequences to come after that. But for me, that's the heart and and soul of the Terminator movies right there. Because he's risking his life and the future to save his mom because he loves her (laughs) and she punishes him for it.
3: Everything that happens in the psych board, it's like, it's just so, like, just the imagery of it with these, like, white walls and corridors breaking in through all these, like, alarmed doors. And and then when the bad Terminator shook up and he's, like, the cop, like, not the cop, but, like, the security guard. And, like, we know now that he can shape shift, but, like, so we're, it's like that whole, like, we're knowing what's happening. Not knowing, and you just want to yell at the screen like, "It's so wrong guys Yeah, <laughs> and like when you see it just playing out, kind of slow motion, but it's moving fast, like, and you can't stop him, and you just mm-hmm. want to stop it. When it's just so, like, yeah, I, it's, it's so
1: good.
2: Epic details that help with the reality. The liquid Terminator uh, sort of morphs through these bars, and then you hear this clunk, and his gun, which can't morph gets stuck between the bars and he has to kind of wrangle it out that's an excellent tiny detail that would have been easily missed and even the audience would have let it go but i'm so happy it's there uh when sarah connor takes a, a slice in the back when they're being attacked in the elevator that's a significant wound <laughs> like uh, she's bleeding and being stitched up and that wound is present on her body for the rest of the film and so many other action movies like when somebody's injured. They you know throw some dirt on it and they're fine the next scene. It set up like the first part of the movie set up these are, our, this is the new bad guy, this is the new good guy and here's our John Connor and then that scene happened and it just, the heart and the energy of the movie was I ramped up so much that I couldn't believe we were only halfway to the movie. <laughs> like it almost felt like the movie could have been about Breaking Sarah Connor (laughs) out of the insane mental institute, and the rest of the movie could have been Terminator (laughs) Three, but that's how good it is standing alone by itself. Well,
3: and just also like her reaction, like her whole life since nineteen eighty four with Kellie has been uh, fleeing this sort of t eight the t eight hundred yeah yeah. And then like being a co, and then you know, and then put into a psych and like. Trying to make people believe, and then the whole trajectory is like hating this guy. Just like with all of her life trying to stop this thing that she had in front of her, this barrier. And when she first sees him and she would immediately recoils, like the emotion that you like you just know what she's feeling. If you're like, But no, he again just wanted to kill at the screen, like, but no, he's good, he's good at health, you like just give him a minute. And like, you're right though, like she does a pretty quick one eighty like figure this all out but like that first moment where she's like, nah, and like yeah it's
2: so great it's yeah. so great <laughs> um moving on to the rest of the movie this is one of the one thing that i think i've i brought it up even in the 90s and i got a lot of pushback and i love the movie this is not me talking shit about terminator 2 but there is something of a plot convenience that, and it's echoed in the first movie. And I think maybe I noticed it more because they did the exact same thing. There is a car chase in both movies in the third act that lead them to maybe the one place in the world where they might be able to destroy this evil Terminator. In the first one, it was like a huge factory, like press the like crushing machine. And in this one, it's actual molten liquid metal. And like, it's not like, if they were driving there on purpose to try and lure that thing there, then maybe that would have made more sense. But it really does feel like they just happened to crash into this factory with molten metal in it. And if they'd crashed literally anywhere else, they were fucked. <laughs> I don't know
3: about you, but like, I don't even know where one of those factories exists. Yeah. And I like to talk about the robot apocalypse all, apocalypse all the time. Yeah. And I still don't know where those factories are. So like.
2: This no. isn't... It's not exactly a real criticism, but you know what I'm talking about how like it's pretty convenient. yeah and, and the fact that it happens in both movies. I think if it had happened in just one of the two movies, I wouldn't be making a stink about it but I just maybe that's sort of a third act problem that, that Cameron comes up with He figures out a way how he can kill the Terminator but he doesn't figure out a good way how he can get the his characters to position themselves to kill the Terminator.
3: Like, that scene is also when the Bad Terminator, and he, like, dies, he, like, morphs into all the other characters that he plays, yep. and they, like, the cop comes out, and the foster mom comes out. Like, that was a nice touch. Like, that was just, like, he didn't just, like, dissolve into a pool of, like, metal or anything. Like, he goes through this whole process of dying. Yeah. That was, like, just this, yeah. Which I thought was, like, a really a really cool patch to
2: kind of add that in there it it Um, it it seemed a little bit human affected the way it was clearly suffering and screaming no 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 i will not die and that's something that, that that i guess is consistent with the terminator franchise the machines are very much machines it seems until they're facing their death and there does seem to be this sort of last little bit of Emotion that does erupt when that happens, and I don't know if that makes a hundred percent sense. We want to see it because we're human emotional animals, but does it make sense? It's like a, a, a zombie in a zombie movie pausing before it attacks. Just doesn't make sense. That's that's not what they do, right? A robot just does what it does. A zombie just does what it does, and no zombie suddenly, when faced with its mortality, goes "Oh no!" Right? Like a, again. I'm looking really hard to poke holes in in, in this. Uh, Another thing about Terminator 2 that I guess I would not really warn people about, because, again, I think this is a movie that everyone's seen. This is one of those PG movies that really got away with something by being rated PG. People are getting stabbed through the face, right? Like, it's a very violent movie. It, like, next to maybe Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, It's it's got to be right high on the list of movies that are rated PG that just clearly shouldn't have been. Well, and it's funny because
3: my sister asked, like, hey, can I show these to Sam who's about 10 years old? And I was like, oh, yeah, they're, they're totally fine. <laughs> like, the, the second one doesn't have a lot of score. Like, there's a lot of violence. There's, like, there's not a lot of blood or there's not, I guess... No, like you don't see a lot of like when when the Terminator like kills with his
1: knife,
2: like you don't see blood. That's the major difference. If there was yeah. blood splewing on the floor, all of a sudden the ratings board would would probably have it's put muscular, their like
3: spouting out or whatever. But yeah. like you don't really see it. But so I'm assuming that's how they got away with it. I don't know. But you're right.
2: I also wanted to mention Edward Furlong, and I don't want to be mean to uh, child actors. Uh, I can't imagine the pressure it would have been to be like 13 and be like the key character in this epic, huge sci-fi movie. But I think people forget what a big deal was made of Edward Furlong when that He's came up. He was. Like, I remember I, like, seeing the movie at the cheap theater. Like, where you could put the posters up on your wall, like. Oh yeah. And- He was all over it. I remember seeing the movie for the third or fourth time in the cheap theaters, because this is a movie I saw a lot in the theaters. And uh, there was a group of girls at the back of the theater. And the first time Edward Furlong came on screen, they screamed. Like they screamed (laughs) like it was a horror movie. Like it was one of those things that I'd seen girls do that on TV and in a movie, but I never really believed that it happened for real. And man, has the story of Edward Furlong been a tragic, tragic tale. (laughs)
3: like
2: there's, he there's looks
3: yeah yeah I can't remember who that is now, but
2: he is not aged very gracefully he's had struggles with drugs like a lot of people who get too famous too young and too rich too young it doesn't agree with him um, but yeah I don't know I think there's a reason that that he as an actor doesn't come back to the franchise ever again Um yeah, he looks kind of schlubby and schlappy. And, but uh, part of me thought that would be interesting when I heard that they were doing Dark Fate. If they did recast him and he just looked like he did now, like he was supposed to be the savior of the future. But because that future didn't come about, he becomes the schlubby layabout. And then when the future yeah. comes, they're going to have to like level him up to really get him. Like that could have been something interesting. But I don't know. I get the feeling like Edward Furlong... Edward Furlong uh, got a paycheck for that last movie, but I get the feeling he's not super easy to work with anymore. <laughs> he might have passed his best yes, before date.
3: I, I saw him in this weird, like, made spider
2: movie, and, like, it took
3: me a while to place him, and then I was like, John Connor! John Connor! Look how far you
2: fallen. In. It's interesting. In, in 1991, a, a girlfriend of mine was very much obsessed with Axl Rose, okay? Of Guns N' Roses. We, we, we were just like 13, 14 year old kids. No, let's let's try to, try to judge him, But like, I think that the uh, value and the attractiveness of Axl Rose today, as opposed to what it was in 1991, is kind of similar to the appeal of Edward Furlong circa 1991 as opposed to circa 2020. It has not been an inspirational story. But I do want to say after talking all that shit about him, he's really good in the movie and it was they were asking a lot of him it was one of the first acting roles he'd ever done and he's like again centering this huge movie and at the time he did a really good job unfortunately Hollywood got his hooks in him and it, that sucks but give him his due credit like, his initial is scene where him and his
3: friend are in the arcade and then they have to like get out and his friend kind of helps them and stuff like that like he, like he's very much Sarah Connor's son, too, right? Like, he's, like, street smart and and just hard as fuck, you know? Yeah. Like, he just, you know, he's, like, he, like, robs an ATM in the very early scenes. Like, you know, he's just sort of led this, like, very sort of, like, hard life, you know? And huh. he just, like, brings that to that
2: role. He's 14 and his mom can hand him an empty gun and without a word, he knows how to unload and reload it and hand it back to her within five seconds, right? Yeah.
3: And because he had this background, right, like, like, and so when he first sees that Terminator 2, right, like, he knows his backstory because of his mom, right? Yeah. So it's not totally out of nowhere for him, like it would have been for Connor in the first, Sarah Connor in the first one, right? Like, he has some context, but the scene where he calls his foster parents, and we don't know yet, I think that's the, is that the first time we see him shapeshift? I think it
2: is. Well, uh, I think this the first time we see him look like uh, someone other than the cop because
3: right. Sorry, yeah. And he like uh, they they like they switched the name of the dog. Like, yeah. The Terminator figures it out how to do that, and I was like, that was just like again, like you said, those details. Like that was just like a nice touch, and then he like looks and like the knife is through the mouth or whatever. And yeah. Just, like, it was just like. How are they going to get out of
2: this? How the fuck are they going to get out of this guy? Nerdy fun fact. The woman who's the stepmother who stabs the guy through the mouth. She played Vasquez in Aliens. Fun fact. Really? Yeah. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Um, That just makes it so much better. And the guy who gets stabbed... Um, he's he played a major part in uh later series of Walking Dead. I don't know if you're a Walking Dead person, but uh, it's funny. Cameron. Once again, it's one of these two small supporting roles, but they've, they've both been places and they both went places, even though they're in like two <laughs> scenes.
1: Alien, too, right?
2: Could you say that again? You kind of glitched out on me.
3: Cameron did Aliens too, though, right? That's
2: right. Cameron. He did the, the second Aliens movie. Yeah, he it was Jim Cameron. Right. Yeah. yeah,
3: which is like
2: Amazing. We could do another bit. We're <laughs> gonna get into the alien movie. Yeah. Uh,
1: Other than I will say that
3: Connor, Sarah Connor, and Ripley are like two of my favorite female characters ever. Like let alone action heroes, let alone like anything else.
2: And who would win I in a fight?
3: realize that I should have known I was queer a lot sooner. <laughs> like oh yeah like that totally makes sense in a way that didn't do me 20 years ago but like they're so badass and I I find a lot of comparisons between those two
2: characters. Who do you think would win in a fight between Ripley and Sarah Connor? I don't know who would win but I'd love to watch that.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Me too actually. Uh, Sarah Connor would totally win I would think but like that's nothing against Ripley but yeah, and there's a
2: no, whole no. other... Aside. Side. <laughs> but, but that's one we... thing that we haven't mentioned that, that we really should. Linda Hamilton's evolution of character from the first movie to the second one is amazing. She is so good in this movie. It's She's so good in this movie that it actually hurts the performance in Dark Fate. Not that she's bad in Dark Fate, but she is so good in Terminator 2. <laughs> like...
3: Her and she's doing the chin ups on yeah. the sideboard. Like, I will just Google that on YouTube.
2: <laughs> just, just stare like, at it. <laughs> I can watch that
3: three minutes of that movie right now. I just I need to see me Sarah Connor doing chin ups in the sideboard. And her hair, like, she's not pretty. Like no. she's not like in the first one, she's very attractive. She's got that sort of like, you know, sex appeal of the eight term
1: sort
3: of hair going on. Um, in this one, I would not say like is
2: a word that I would use to describe her. Nope. And, like, I, I, there's great little mini feminist victories. There's that disgusting guard at the psych ward who licks her face when she's, like, laying on the bed. And so, a few scenes later, when she breaks a broom handle over the guy's nose, it's so satisfying. I know. Um, yeah, I, her, her whole
1: art in this, like I
3: said, I. In the first one, how tough she was by the end, because I remember her being a lot more ineffective in the first one, ineffectual in the first one. So she did start coming into that in the end of the first one, but like this, she just, and she has all those like guns in the like, typing away somewhere, like she's in them out, she knows a guy.
2: <laughs> she's in. leveled up several times over, <laughs> like. She was getting tough by the end of the first Terminator movie. She's a fucking badass in this movie. I would be very careful what I said around this girl. Like, do not, not to be fucked with. And I just love that so much about her character. Like, she, she is formidable. And that was a pretty rare thing in 91.
3: Yeah, like, again, other than Ripley, like, there aren't a lot of female characters who I like kind of through and through. Because Ripley kind of also, it off with that, like, little bit, like, I'm a, I'm a girl, <laughs> and then, like, she got tough quick.
2: But she was always strong, but she did wear the smallest underwear in space, so yeah. <laughs>
3: a lot of it. But, like, there's not a lot of other, like, good female action here Now there are, but, like,
2: in '91 is what I'm saying, yeah.
3: later so like trying to think about it and I mean again I know
2: that I'm on a podcast and you can't see me, but I am wearing my Sarah Connor shirt in honor of this podcast today because I just and cannot get enough of it I do appreciate it we're coming up <laughs> on a half an hour almost on Terminator right. 2 so I'm thinking maybe we can wrap it up is there anything you else wanted to say I mean it's such a huge movie if you haven't seen it also, what are you like, doing
3: we didn't even talk about like Dyson character,
2: no. All of it's go good, and... yeah. She wants to go and stop Skynet before it happens, and that if that means icing some family man, she's completely willing to do that. Jill Morton yeah. plays the character, and even though he's, you know, somebody who's very directly responsible for the end of the world, we still like that character and feel bad for what he goes through. Uh, again, the, it's a great movie. Like, what yeah, more can we say? Like, yeah. I you, you just
3: can't. You can't even put it into words.
1: Yeah.
3: Right? sort <laughs> <laughs> it ends in this hopeful way. Like I find like the end again, like Sarah and John are
2: Yeah. Driving on. And like, if they won the thing. Once again, if this was the last Terminator, and there are a lot of people who kinda of wish that it was, it would have been a completely satisfying way to end the series. But yeah. damn it, Rayleigh, there was money to be made
3: okay we can i think we're good the machines
1: they're starting to take over oh, oh, cool. judgment day the end of the world It's today three hours from now get away from me now the survival of John Connor. You are about to fail that mission. No! You don't have to do this. You don't want to do this. This is irrelevant. I am a machine.
2: Okay, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, directed by Jonathan Mostow, and this is the first Terminator that has no Jim Cameron involved in any way, shape, or form. And that, that, that is felt. That is felt. I'm not going to lie. Here's a weird comparison I'm going to make. I've gotten a bad habit with the podcast of comparing movies to movies. <laughs> There's an old John Carpenter film called Prince of Darkness. Which has a bunch of, you know, intellectuals get sent to this obscure church and have to study this device that might have some demonic influence on it. And I actually think it's a really good movie, except when it's trying to be funny. There's always these scenes where there's a character who lets out a zinger and it just doesn't land at all. And like you can feel it like you can feel it grinding and squealing the gears and the brakes of the movie. Upon revisiting Terminator 3, honestly, as much as it's like a a drop down in quality from the first two movies, like clearly, it is the humor that I think is almost the fatal flaw of the movie. Every time they wink or stop and try to make us laugh, they derail the pretty decent stakes and, you know, if, if familiar sort of setup they're going through. All they've done here is essentially remade the second movie. A new Terminator has come. She's another upgrade up. She looks like a woman. She can incorporate both both elements of the physical Terminator and the liquid metal metal Terminator. And she's after an older version of John Connor and this woman who is eventually going to be his wife, as we find out, played by Claire, Claire Danes. It's all right, but... The problem is is that it's just a repetition. We're not moving forward anymore. The second movie was a significant step forward from the first. The third movie is the second movie again, but significantly less good. Is it so less good as to be called bad? Well, once upon a time I thought so. But there's three more Terminator movies after this one now. And... When it works for me, it works for me. There's an epic car chase in the middle of this movie. That works for me. And the third act has some balls to it. I have to say, like when I saw it in the theater, I didn't see that ending coming. And it was the only thing in the movie that I didn't see coming. I am going to say that there's enough good in Terminator 3 that I'm going to give it a passing grade. But it's a near thing. It's a near thing.
3: Yeah, like, I, when I first saw this movie, because I have it in, what year did you have, uh, it? 2003?
2: It is, yes, 2003, I think.
3: Well, like, 12 years after the first two, like, the first one, then the second one, and then 12 years later we get Terminator 3. So, like, I, I myself, as a movie watcher, have, like, matured a lot in that time yeah. for me. Um, and I remember really liking it as, like, an action movie the first time I saw it, like, it was, like, And campy and like funny and then I like revisited it again and I was like, I don't know why I really liked it. Like and I
2: just I cannot get over the scene where she like
1: grows boobs to like (laughs) dress cop or whatever or the whatever. Again,
2: that was the movie trying to be funny. And whenever the movie tries to be funny,
3: Kate Brewster, like, this whole time John Connor has been the one that is, like, that Hamilton and Sarah Connor and then John Connor, and now, and now all of a sudden we've got this, like, third character that's, like, wrapped up in this, and I, I liked Claire Danes in this movie.
2: She's a solid like, actress, and she uses, like, the scenario, like, she has to adjust to this new world, and she yeah. has to take in a lot of difficult, hard-to-believe information, and she is the most grounded and real character in the movie. Nick Stahl is a decent actor too, but he also is one of these guys who's got a real trouble with drugs and can be kind of difficult. And I, I didn't feel like he was as invested. I mean, this was a good role to have and he was happy to be there. But I feel like Claire Danes was really trying to give people their money's worth. <laughs>
3: well, not a role that she would have like been familiar with or done. or like She wasn't a new actress at
2: this point. Oh, no, 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 no.
3: For quite some time. Not in these types of movies, right? Like,
2: and that might have been reason enough to do it for her. Like, this is not what I typically do, so let's try a big blockbuster. Um,
3: so, yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. Like, there's just a lot to kind of unpack around, like, Claire or Kate Brewster and John Connor's relationship and how I liked when they were, like, playing at a, They were like, little kids at a party before the first one. You know, right. it kind of shows, like, John Connor's innocence. Like, before Judgment Day, before the second one happened, he was just some teenage kid. I mean, yeah, with his dark past and mom and his like, sure, sposh family, like, there was some stuff, but he was just a kid at a party trying to play, like, seven minutes in heaven, okay, Brewster, yeah. you know? And, like, you don't really see him as this sort of, like, human boy that much, right? He's sort of this build-up to be this, like, savior, And so when she's just like sitting in there and they're just like talking about, and then he puts it together that like, oh, that's weird. Like a Terminator came back on two instances that I've been involved with, right? And I thought that was kind of a nice touch to their relationship.
2: Well, and she played it well. Like she went from like thinking this guy's breaking into the veterinarian clinic to steal drugs to believing that he was the savior of the future. And that's not a short journey for her to go through um she kind of represents a little bit of girl power in this movie and she does have the evolution but really i think the quote quote unquote girl power in the movie is the lady terminator (laughs) okay um i don't want to be mean about it like uh, i think christina loken that's the name of the actress she's doing what she can with what's been given to her like i don't think the problem is her but i what would be the idea of a female Terminator? Would they do anything different? Would the approach to the design be different? What's the benefit of a female Terminator? Like, I just didn't understand. She just didn't seem different enough. She wasn't a significant evolution from the T-1000 and Terminator 2. And they didn't use her femininity, I guess, for lack of a better word, word to, like, I guess, other than growing her boobs, which I thought was just a lame visual gag. Yeah. They didn't. They didn't do enough with that character. Like... It was just like Lady Terminator was as deep as they thought about it. Why Lady Terminator? Why Lady Terminator?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I think just, I, I just thought it was like just to change it up. Honestly, yeah. like we don't really, like I said, I guess we have Kate Brewster's character, but like with Sarah Connor leaving, and they kill her off in this
2: movie. Dead from like, cancer, she, apparently.
3: You no, know, in, in, as far as we're concerned, like she's dead. We don't really have another feature character to like rely on so if you're going to write off Sarah Connor then you need to bring in so maybe they were hoping that this male Terminator would be the replacement of badass because King Brewster's never badass she's great
1: she's great but yeah. she's not tough she's never at any point
2: I'm not going to google the YouTube of her doing shit up yeah <laughs> <laughs> fair enough if that's the criteria by which we want to judge these movies then so be it <laughs> Sorry. no that's fine uh, but there is an undercurrent of girl power for lack of a better word forgive me uh to to the terminator movies and i think yeah. in chapters three and four they kind of forget that a little bit and then in chapters five and six they kind of overcorrect a little bit <laughs> so yeah. uh Again, I don't want to be too mean about it. I think the actress does fine. I think conceptually, like, I understand it makes sense. They want to do something a little bit different. But I think that's another thing that's really missing. In the Terminator 2, whenever we cut to a scene of what the T-1000s were up to, we were always sort of scared and, like, what's he going to do now? What else does he have in his catalog of, like, tricks? He can use different voices. He can use different weapons. He can, like... I never felt that with her. It was like when we cut to her, like, who's she going to kill now, and how close is she to our people? I didn't feel the same weight to the to the character, to the to the enemy.
3: And I just found that this movie, like, meandered a lot. So it's like, we take some time for, like, John to be in the bed clinic and Kate and John to get together, and then we get to her dad, who's the army tech guy, who we realize is develop this technology that's like you know like so I just I kind of kind of lost track of like who is actually like where are we in the first um, narrative right now because it was like it just I found it fair in meandered quite a
2: bit or which and characters are important why I think there's at least a reason for that though Rayleigh um because the movie wanted to surprise us, and I think they do with Judgment Day actually happening in the third act of the movie. If they actually implicitly told us that, a lot of that would fall into place. But they don't. They wanted to make that a kind of like, oh, shit. He wasn't there to, well, he was there to save them. But really, the Terminator was there to make sure that those two survived the apocalypse. Yeah. Um, it wasn't just about protecting them from that Terminator. Yeah, that's part of the job. But really, he needed to get them into that bunker for when the bombs dropped when this movie stopped judgment day is happening they, they're yeah. already past the point of stopping it and yeah. that is the one thing about the screenplay that i really respect because i didn't see it coming i didn't think that they were going to go that dark with the end and um uh, yeah our heroes have survived but their world is forever changed and billions of people have just died and credits
3: <laughs> and that's like where the first to end in this sort of hopeful like Way of like, oh no, like they changed the future and things are good, so you kind of almost think it's going to follow that formula. And Kate Brewster is the one who puts it all together, and she's like, and Connor just like can't figure it out, like, he's like, (laughs) but no, we're saving the world, I'm going to do it, and she's like, dude, yeah, we're here, this is what's happening, we just need to accept our fate. And then you realize that, like, oh, they're just like locked in a vault, like in a bunker.
2: And they're going to be there for a while. And whatever the rest of their life is, it's going to be significantly less comfortable than the lives that they've had so far. All they have is each other, and all they have to look forward to is a terrible, miserable war with the machines. Right. And that fate
3: really isn't changing. It's that sort of inevitable march towards the apocalypse.
2: They moved the apocalypse another 10 or 15 years ahead, but the idea that you're going to be able to stop it seems like... uh, once it's happened in one timeline sooner or later it's going to happen it seems to be how it feels and it's kind of doom and gloomy which the rest of the movie isn't that ending genuinely surprised me so
3: yeah and I also very much appreciated that although they've written Sarah Connor off they like go to her uh, dig up her grave or go to her and then there's like all of these weapons for them and like but then there's this weird line where Connor looks at uh Casey Remind me of my mom. I'm like,
2: dude, dude. Things not to say to your love interest.
3: <laughs> you know that you have kids that are going to help save the future together. Yeah. You know this. Don't, don't. That's not a pickup line. But I did really like that. Yeah. He
1: yeah.
3: was like, she came into it and like, there's always this moment of like, really? Your mom's like, coffin full of guns? But she <laughs> just like, rolled
1: with
2: it. Yeah. Like, well, I just loved how unsentimental that was with the grave being full of guns. It's, it was just so Sarah Connor, right? You could think yeah, he's yeah. going to have this little mournful moment about his mom, but no, they need guns, and he happens to know there's a stash of guns here. Yeah.
1: Um,
2: this does sort of signify one of the many kind of Donnie Darko tangent universes that the, the this franchise is going to be inhabiting. In this version of the events john connor has grown up to be an adult and is going to save the you know and we're following the john connor timeline as we move forward we're going to start to follow different timelines and the whole idea of keeping track of what happens where and what actions actually matter to what future timeline become really hard to follow almost not worth trying well and i i one
3: night i couldn't and I was um, trying to figure out the timelines. I was I was like I had eight and I and I like texted my friend and I was like, you know that meme where like the guy is smoking a cigarette and the whiteboard's behind him, you've got the arrows drawn everywhere. Yep, that's you. <laughs> I like texted that meme to my friend, I'm like, me at six AM figuring out the Terminator timeline. It was, like it just doesn't work. You just can't. You just have to accept it and not question it because the minute you start to unravel it, it's like, okay. It's
2: just like. It's like I said at the beginning, I think the first two movies you can sort of keep as a piece. But I think going forward, if you want to get real joy out of the Terminator franchise, you really need to take them a movie at a time.
1: Yeah.
2: I think that all this movie and the movies following it benefit greatly if you just sort of examine them as a solo piece of science fiction. Because when you have to compare it to two of the best science fiction movies made, they're not going to stand up.
3: For various reasons, right? Like, there's a lot going on there, but the banter between, like, like Eddie Furlong's character and him in the second one is so great, and I just, he wasn't as good in this one. I think he was, like, genuinely trying to act. Yeah. It's like, that's not what he needs to do. <laughs> this is not what this character is for.
2: Yeah.
3: Like, you need
2: to be the present. And I think... I just, Yeah, Yeah. and having a more visionary director on board would be helpful. Not to take anything away from Mostow, I think he's decent, but before this, he'd made a really good Kurt Russell thriller called Breakdown, and a really terrible uh, Matthew McConaughey movie called UV-571, which is brutal. It's just an awful movie. So this movie kind of falls in between those two, (laughs) as far as I'm concerned. But I don't understand, like, Hollywood saying... We're going to make another Terminator movie. It's been over a decade, and we choose Jonathan Mostow. I mean, I'm not even trying to be mean about him. I think he's an efficient, decent director, but I don't understand that choice. Like, is he the next Jim Cameron? Clearly not. But you know what he's not, though? He's not McG. <laughs> he's the director of Terminator Salvation. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything that you would like to say about Rise of the Machines? Do you think we've covered it okay? Yeah,
3: I think we're, uh, no, I think I'm good.
2: I'm a lukewarm on it. I used to be, like, hard thumbs down on it, and now I'm just like, meh. <laughs> so,
3: yeah, i opposite. I originally liked it a lot more. Right. Now I'm like, we're both kind of like, meh.
2: Yeah. We're two totally opposite directions. <laughs> <laughs> good enough. We've been
1: fighting a long time. We are outnumbered by machines. Humans have a strength that cannot be measured. This is John Connor. If you're listening to this, you are the Resistance. I know our right? I enemy. Mean. Something has changed. Skynet. It's taking human prisoners. Replicating human tissue.
2: Let's see what we've got here.
1: And in this future. I don't know that we can win this war.
3: This thing is something we've never seen before.
1: My name. Is Marcus right? You think you're human? I am human.
2: So one of the first things that we saw in the Terminator, the original movie, was a landscape of dark smoke, skull, bone littered ground, and these Terminator robots stepping on all of these bones and this amazing sort of laser battle between this future tech and these robots and these hard born soldiers trying to fight back to take the planet back. And I remember, I think I mentioned it during our first review, thinking as a kid, wouldn't it be awesome if they did a whole movie set there as it turns out. No, uh, <laughs> it could have been, I don't, yes and no. I think that what we want and the reality of it is, is tricky because because of the necessity of the darkness of that post-apocalyptic landscape, like, it's hard to have a lot of fun in the sandbox. Like, best case scenario, if they kill all the machines and slowly start rebuilding society, for generations in the future, children are beginning really digging, you know, human skulls out of the sand in the beach the way we dig shells and shark teeth these days. Like, it's a world of doom and gloom and death and all of the all of the modern age is gone and left behind and all that's left is a brute struggle for survival so it kind of hamstrings you into this place of darkness <laughs> and that can be okay but i think there's been a lot of up and down to the terminator franchise yeah there's stakes yeah it's heavy but there's a fun adventure science fiction action story happening here um I have a personal issue with Sam Worthington in that I've only seen him in a couple of things where I thought he was good. <laughs> um I think he has a couple of good scenes in here. The scene where he finds out what he is. He he has a really good scene there. Generally speaking, from his Clash of the Titans to this Terminator movie to the Avatar franchise, I just find him bland. I just find him like a very, very bland actor. And, like, I, he seems to do better in supporting roles where he can just, you know, chew the chew the scenes up a little bit as opposed to just carrying it to the next one. But I don't know. I just I had a hard time connecting with him. And Christian Bale, who's playing the adult John Connor in this movie, who, you know, very celebrated actor, almost takes himself too seriously. I'm going to argue, gives one of his worst performances in this movie. Like, he took himself very seriously. There's that famous audio footage of him losing his mind on a lighting technician on this set and talking about unprofessional he is. And I've seen him commit in really stupid movies. Christian Bale did this dragon movie called Reign of Fire, which is completely insane. But he is committed. Every scene, I'm like... I, I, He is selling me this ridiculous world in a way he just isn't in Terminator Salvation. Anton Yelchin, I can hang on to him. I thought he was an interesting character. They almost had something good going with Helena Bonham Carter, because you know she's just an interesting face to see in this type of movie. You wouldn't expect to see her there. But I spent the whole movie just wanting it to be better than it was, (laughs) and it just never got better. There's some cool special effects in it. There's like a sound-off quality to the movie where you could sort of just appreciate the technical feat of some of the sequences. But I have to say, as much as the movie tried, I could not feel anything. I watched it for the third time for this review, and like, I appreciated some of the technical aspects that I maybe hadn't appreciated before, but I could not emotionally involve myself in the movie. And that just meant repeatedly important sequences big deaths would happen the 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 secret you know base of the resistance in a submarine below the ocean gets exploded and larry feels nothing generally speaking from beginning to end of this movie i feel nothing i would almost be happier with it if i was mad at it Or, like, (laughs) it was memorably awful. Or they'd done something so disrespectful to the franchise that I could say, this is the scene where everything went wrong. But it just kind of wall-to-wall lays there for me. I can't get furious with it, but I sure as hell can't get excited.
3: Well, and I think, too, like we were saying in the earlier ones, like, we know that this apocalypse is coming, this war with the machines is coming, but it's left, when we see these images and glimpses of it A lot of it's in our own imagination and so it's like, it's great. But when you actually see what they've decided to do with it, it's so much worse than what I've created in my own head. Yeah. Like as a future with robots that are ruling this world or whatever. And so I was like figuring that this was just like Christian Dale working on his Batman voice. Like the whole time I was just like, oh, that's just, this is just a trial movie for him to perfect his.
2: I had that. I had the same thought. It was like he was still stuck in Batman b- b- mode, and I've always been very critical of his Batman performance too. I mean, I think he's really good at playing Bruce Wayne, and he's mediocre at playing Batman. Unpopular opinion, but it's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, and again, like
3: I'm like you, like Helena Bonham Carter is like great, and I was like, she's what? There's no girl power. No. Nope.
2: They try. There's that um, Blair character, the Moon good character, who trusts the, term, the bad Terminator, but her character's so bland. Like, her identifying characteristic is that she's pretty and she trusts the robot after the robot saves her life. But, like, I don't know. She doesn't even come close to Sarah Connor. She couldn't lick Sarah Connor's boots. <laughs> and then, like, it's kind
3: of interesting in that, like, it works as, as equal to Terminator 3. it like comes after like they're through this nuclear holocaust now we're in the future and they've been released from this uh bunker that they were in or whatever and then it's this prequel to the first one right like so again you can see me trying to figure out the timelines of everything like it's like okay so this one is happening like and so when you start to figure out like with kyle reese and like he was i just was like the first kyle reese and the first one was just like really likable
2: and great and I could really believe him and
1: Yeah. To this one I was like, okay, good, you're
2: gonna go back and save Eric Connor. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess yeah. we, we didn't talk about plot, but uh, this character, Marcus Wright, played by Sam Worthington, is, is living in this post apocalyptic land landscape. He rescues this kid who's fighting the robots, who turns out to be a teenage Kyle Reese. And uh Reese and a bunch of other humans get kidnapped by the Skynet computer. I think this one of the stupidest things that they made in the movie is that big iron giant looking robot that scoops people up by the hand. What what possible reason would it be? Like there had to be an easier design than like a giant human-looking robot to suck up people, right? I don't know. That's that, that felt like silly. That felt like a Pixar incredible sequence. But anyway, Kyle Reese gets kidnapped. He's important for the future as we know so uh marcus when he hooks up with the resistance and meets christian bale tells them that that's where Calrissian is and they have to rescue him this gets complicated because it turns out that marcus himself is part uh robot part terminator and with a human musculature but he doesn't know that he's a robot until it's revealed to him when he uh sets off a mine it <laughs> blows up half of his body yeah. and um that moment when he realizes that he's a robot is like probably the interesting scene <laughs> in the movie, but the, the rest of it kind of after that point feels inevitable to me. Yes, they have to get Reese back and yes, in order to prove himself to uh, the resistance that he is both uh, a robot and good, he's going to have to sacrifice himself. I knew that the second that reveal was made and I was proved correct in every single thing, like, that's yeah. what I say. The movie looks good, but it just lays there.
3: Well, and I think the other part is by now, like, CGI and special effects, like, we're used to it. Like, we've seen so many great action scenes and sequences in movies by this point. Whereas in the first two, we had not So they were novel in how good they were with their special effects. So for this one, like, when you don't, have that i mean it was great like it was fine with its special effects but it didn't do anything new for me it was just like oh yeah i've seen these effects time and time again great so if you don't have a good story or like the story is, the characters are just kind of like cashing it in for this movie that's now been six years so this is the one we had 2003 with driving machines and now six years they waited yeah uh to do this one and like It just kind of felt like a money grab of like, oh, we're going to do this. We're not going to bring back any of the original characters, really. None of the original actors are in this movie. Like, Hmm. And this is the only one that Arnold Schwarzenegger, he's like in it.
2: But it was a CGI. Yeah.
3: Yeah. So he makes an appearance for like two minutes, but it's like his body double and a CGI face or something, right? So there's just no, like there's, no continuity or there's no buy-in by this these people and so you're not going to have like amazing effects or amazing terminators or like do something different that I haven't seen yet yeah. like what do you like, it's kind of just a waste of my time it was fine like I enjoy the movie itself like I do fit I will watch it I'm not
1: hating it Yeah.
3: but like I'm not going to like recommend it to a friend I'm not going to like hey you should really watch 2009 Salvation and with christian bale like that's not gonna
1: be a thing that
2: i ever say well and part of it is the setting because it is in the future every scene is a special effect <clears throat> there's no you know modern buildings or landscapes or offices to shoot stuff in and uh they try i think consciously to keep the pedal to the metal as much as possible in the movie um and that can work as far as keeping us occupied and distracted by the pretty colors but it only completely closes the deal if we're also invested in the characters. And I guess that they were banking that we would be pre-invested because of the three movies that came before this, so that they didn't really need to do much other than introduce us to Kyle Reese, and we will love Kyle Reese. I think Anton Yelchin, may he rest in peace, does a really good job uh, of bringing the energy to that character. Because again, Sam Worthington seems kind of bland-sauce to me, and Christian Bale's yelling his way through the movie, Yelchin feels like a real person to me in a way that a lot of the other characters just didn't. Yeah. But he did still have these, like, zinger lines. These... Or or his positive energy just doesn't seem real. Like, when they're in prison, they're they're captured by this Iron Giant robot and they're being taken to Skynet for no good reason. He's constantly, we're going to get through this, guys. It's going to be okay. And, like... This is like the the future version of uh, people being rounded up and and executed, you know, like it would would be like being on your way to the execution chamber, telling everybody, keep your chin up, you guys, we're going to get through this. (laughs) He doesn't know that there are people coming to rescue him, but there are people coming to rescue him. I guess he's allowed to have that optimism. But for me, the only reason he could have that optimism is that he's read the script. Like, he knows that it's going to work out okay. (laughs) Otherwise, he's just completely naive. Yeah. Uh,
3: Yeah, like like I said, when I think of this one, it's never going to be one that I, like, recommend people to watch. If people want to watch it, I sit down and watch it with them, but, like, not fully committed to it. And I, I found this is the one where, when I was sitting and watching it, I was easily distracted. Like, the other ones, I, like, sit and I turn off my things and I watch the TV and I'm, like, focused. And this one, I was like, oh, I wonder if someone texted me. Oh, I wonder if the, oh, I was going to let my cat out. Like, I couldn't even really stay super focused on it because, like, not I wasn't invested in it at all. And I think, again, and you really brought this, is, like, there isn't a girl character in this movie that I like. And so, for me, when this is why I like this movie, so much is because of that presence, yeah. and it's just completely
2: lacking. Yeah, like, um, Bryce Dallas Howard is in the movie. She yeah. she plays the same character that Claire Danes did in the previous one. They give her nothing to do other than look upset. Like, she's boring. Yeah, and, like, I like, that's the
3: same one who plays in, like, the Jurassic World next to, like, yeah. uh, Kristen. And she's great in those movies. Like, I, I like her in those movies. Like, she's mm-hmm. exactly what she needs to be, in at least the first one. But, like, she just had nothing, like you said, they just had nothing to work with. Okay,
2: like it was like, she looked worried, she looked sad, she looked frightened, but she didn't have a personality beyond babysitting John Connor. And uh, she deserved she's more. also
3: just been locked up. Okay, so I was, you're gonna get so mad
2: when you try to figure out these timelines. Okay, I haven't figured out this 2018, this one. So this happened two That's years in the ago.
3: <laughs> Yeah, exactly, post apocalypse So, like, how long has she been locked in a bunker for? And she's not
1: stronger? Like, what did you do in that bunker for how long while well, no. waiting for the nuclear? Oh God.
2: Unfortunately, like, she became the girl role. Her job is to make babies and mend the wounds of the hero men. And that's not what this movie franchise has been about thus far. So I do have to take points away from this. I, and again, this is not something that I would usually do. I don't think that you necessarily have to, you know, represent girl power or represent any one thing in your movie. But if you're the fourth entry in a series and that has been a through line to that series, it's a weird decision to me to completely abandon it. I'm guessing that maybe there's some scenes on the, the cutting room floor that maybe got lost or that the screenplay writer would say, no, we, we really tried with the this Moonblood character and these other ones, but no nobody comes close to Sarah Connor nobody comes anywhere remotely close not to the strength to the importance of the character or just to the screen time and importance to the story or
3: even like Eddie Furlong's on Connor like there's
2: no like you know no character can really bring that
3: level of him to that
1: role in this
2: right yeah Judgment um, Day killed Connor's personality like so Judgment Day killed John Connor's personality is what I'm saying like once the bombs dropped he becomes bland hero and like it's hard to even fear for him anymore right but uh, yeah it just it was the movie this one is the movie that Terminator fans thought that they wanted like I understand in a basic way why the studio would have decided this is the Terminator movie we should try to make I just wish that it had worked out a little better for them
3: there like i think that was the other piece is it was like oh like he can be really great like he could have been
1: a really great
2: character
3: yeah um and he just
2: wasn't i don't know i wasn't on set i just get the feeling like he was working on that movie and after a couple weeks on set he kind of did the math and realized that this wasn't going to work out <laughs> like that's how it feels to me he seems grumpy and doesn't want to be there. And I don't know if that's the character or if that's Christian Bale himself.
3: Well, and I think this is the one where I was reading that, like, after this one, uh, like, some of the film companies or companies that were involved in it, like, went bankrupt because of it, right?
2: I right? think Dark Fate was the one that actually killed a, killed a, maybe? Am I wrong? I thought there was a couple of bankruptcy okay. stories. I, was like, I, I don't. My memory is that Salvation did okay, but they'd expected it to do way better than it did. It was Dark Fate that actually lost money, as far as I understand. Yeah, Dark Fate did not do well. But yeah. I
3: thought there was a couple more throughout that was like they were going to continue with
2: it, and then it just
3: folded, and now it's lucky that it came back for the next
2: month's first thing. But so maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Anyway, uh, this, I don't have a lot more to say. Yeah, this is one like that that really. Just kind of bland. It's hard to get mad for me. Like I'm not, I'm not angry at the movie necessarily, but it's, it's not memorable.
1: What have they done to my son?
2: Survival is what you taught me.
1: Where is he? Get out not machine, not man, I'm born. I can't leave him.
2: Whatever they did to John, we need a reversal.
3: Everything's changed. We are humanity's last hope.
1: Load up.
0: I've been waiting for you.
1: gotta get him
2: off me i'll be back
1: what
2: so speaking of you know the executives the you know, hollywood executives spitball ideas how to make money you know what do you, what did they really think that terminator fans want well, they don't want a remake. That would be sacrilegious, right? Being, doing a Terminator remake, how dare we? So let's make Terminator Genesis. that's a remake but not. Let's take these beloved characters and recast them with people who are popular right now. Whether or not they're super amazing actors, they're popular right now. And let's give them a vague photocopy version of what might kind of sort of resemble a terminator movie again this is another one of those movies that if i had no attachment to the terminator franchise i would be able to say like the acting is competent there's some really impressive action sequences it's got good energy to it the movie is not boring but it's just not what i want out of a terminator movie this is not my sarah connor this is not my kyle reese and no terminator fan. I guess I shouldn't speak on behalf of all terminator fans, but this terminator fan never wanted to see John Connor evil robot. Yeah. And I think that all of those decisions were bad decisions before I even pressed play on the movie. And if you have that much working against you before I even start watching the movie, this is grim territory. It sucks though because it's competent. The movie is well made.
3: It's a great movie. Yeah. Not, but-
2: Yeah. yeah, By itself, for sure. But not what I wanted. You're cutting out there. Could you say that again?
3: But, uh, like, also confusing. Yeah. Again, a lot of storylines.
2: I wish I could say I was a believer in Amelia Clarke. All I've really seen is Game of Thrones and this for her. And I guess there was a ghost movie called Voices from the Stone. Um, I think Game of Thrones is probably the most overrated TV show in history, period, end of sentence. And I think her character is interesting, but it has a lot more to do with her character than her performance. And I would say the exact same thing about her here. I think Sarah Connor is a really good character. And I yeah, think this right. is a pretty good actress. But if I was to say compare her to Linda Hamilton, it's not fucking close. It's yeah. not It's not even like a race. Like, she gets lapped several times over by Linda Hamilton. And I, I just don't know how you couldn't have seen that coming, going into the movie. But,
3: like, I like that we get to see the initial scenes of the 84 one again, but redone. Like, you see the... The guy taking the pants off, and the guy in the back alley, yep.
1: The
3: clothing store, and like now again because I've matured so much, and I'm I'm so invested in the original Terminators and how much time. Like when I see those scenes again, I'm just like, ah, now I just want to go back to Terminator One
1: again. Exactly
2: though, because they're they're very very specific about recreating it as much as they possibly can authentically. But you can't miss the fact that that is not Michael Bean and that's not Linda Hamilton. So the fact that everything else is so painstakingly, perfectly identical ends to this like uncanny valley thing. It's like, this is Terminator, but it's not. There's those punks that he's going to kill, but that's not Bill Paxton. That's, you know, (laughs) right? Uh, So it becomes like, it's sort of like I'm watching a Terminator movie, but it's clearly not my Terminator. This is, you know, the next gen Terminator. It's like uh, when I was a kid, I was always I a collector my whole life. I had these different toy lines, and every now and then they would have a new generation of action figures. And a lot of times it was so different from where they started that I just I couldn't invest anymore. I didn't like it. This is what it is. It's like a redesign of the action figures, but they put everything else the same, and it just doesn't feel right. It's not incompetent. The acting is good. The storytelling is good, but it's just it constantly makes me feel angry because stop pretending you're the Terminator. You're not the Terminator. <laughs> you're thinking it.
3: Off-brand action figures, like, that yeah. spelled with a Y instead of an E or something like that, right? Like, it's just like, yeah. And uh, so that was one of the things that really stood out to me. And also, this is the first one where, like, they finally defeated Skynet. Like, we don't have Skynet in this movie because the original characters have defeated it.
2: Yeah. No, Genesis yes. is Skynet, as the they say. Yeah. The one I think
3: they use the Y as like, oh, there's a Y in Skynet. I don't know. Well, I <laughs> do it. <doesn't." laughs> but, yeah, like, so that was really interesting because I kind of kept track of, like, what's the same in every movie, and this is really the only one that don't have the Skynet as a sort of overarching, like, future robot guys.
2: Yeah. Um Two things I want to say about the villain cast in this movie. One I liked, one that I did not. I liked that they had a, a another hybrid Terminator for the first half of the movie, but that the whole movie wasn't about dealing with him. Like they 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 deal with him, he gets killed off, and then it becomes the second act is another issue. Yeah. Um, but that issue is like this future Terminator that's played by Matt Smith, who was one of the doctors from Doctor Who, yeah. and. He is so barely there in the movie. Like, it was like, oh, yeah, Matt Smith's in this movie. I've seen it three times, but every time I see it, I remind myself, oh, yeah, Matt Smith is in this movie. And he is really interesting because he's sort of like the physical incarnation of Skynet. Who's, like, sees that it's been defeated, sends something back in time to try and, and, and overcorrect it. And it's like, if you could, you know, have one conversation with you. The entirety of your adversary—it would be this guy. It would be Matt Smith, and he's so briefly in the movie; you barely tell yeah. that the actor's in it. It's that would be a really interesting character to explore, or to be able to have a scenario in which Sarah Connor talks to Skynet. Could have been really interesting. They just decided to go the other way with it. Yeah, I mean, it's more about the
3: relationship at this point. Because Sarah Connor played by Clark and this pop, which she called him Pops. And that was the other thing where I was like, Sarah Connor would never call anybody pop. <laughs> 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 it's just the thing that the character would ever have a key, key nickname for this freaking fucking robot. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. So that was like, I like their relationship again. I don't hate their relationship, but there's these moments where I was like, what are you, for his character, like, I you don't understand why you would think she would ever say that. Yeah. She just wouldn't, right? And, like, who, who's, whose like, at yeah, the writing table was like, hey, we're gonna have this father figure, and I'm, like, if he was a great father figure to furlock character, yeah. like that right? Like, but Connor just is her own beast. Like, she would just it just wouldn't be a thing that I think exists. And so that really, like, undermined that relationship.
2: For me, Emilia Clarke just seems softer. She's, like, uh, much warmer than the Sarah that I know from Terminator 2. Uh, there's just, you know, and she... I think it's it goes back to the fact that she's been dealing this with this since she was 7 or 8 now instead of since she was in her early 20s. But um, it fundamentally changed her character and fundamentally softened her character. And part of the thing that I love about Sarah Connor is how fucking badass she is. And, like, she spends oh, a lot of this movie, like, everything. I'm supposed to be in love with you, and I don't like that that's a decision that's been made for me. And and everything's so unfair that my, my, pa- my future is laid out, and I have nothing to do with it. To me, Sarah Connor doesn't bitch like that. She just, she deals with the situation in front of her. But this is also the
1: first time we've seen
3: Connor's character now since the second one.
1: Like, yeah. she's not at all in the third or fourth one.
2: Like, not even really a shout, like, I mean, the shout out. Oh, dad. she's dead. <laughs> Do we even see her in the, or like, is
3: there any sort of even mention of her in the fourth one? Like, not, other so. than that, they're going back, already uh, going back to her. Yeah. And we know that. But like, so because like the last image we have is Linda Hamilton driving off with John Connor at the end of the Judgment Day movie. Yeah. And now we have this version, and it's just like,
2: she just didn't feel as tough to me. She didn't feel as tough to me. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't want to put it on Amelia Clark. I just think that, that Linda Hamilton just owned that role in a way that I, I wasn't excited about seeing someone else play it. Like I say, it feels like a half-assed remake. And I wonder if I would like it more if it was a remake. I, It's just not, again, like I said at the beginning, none of the stuff that we're seeing here is what I wanted to see. I, I don't want to see, you know, the, the hope for the future being turned into an evil robot. Uh, Jason Clark, who's an actor, he plays uh, John Connor in this movie. He's been showing up in everything. Like the last five years, I swear he's in every three, every third movie that comes out, this actor shows up in. Um, He's fine. I, I, I I, I like what they were going for, especially at the first part of the movie where like, he knows a secret about Kyle that he doesn't or can't tell him, but we read it through the performance. Like that is really well done, but, Him as a robot at the end of the movie and being the major villain of the piece just isn't what I, as a Terminator fan, ever wanted. And it's surprising to me that anyone thought that that's what the Terminator fans would have wanted. They spent...
3: on the writing table. Like, who made that
2: decision? Yeah. We've spent four movies either saving John to be the savior of the future or portraying John as the savior of the future. Let's make him the bad guy. It would be like if... Like, I don't know. Uh, they decided to do a, a James Bond movie where at the end of the, the movie, James Bond betrays <laughs> the king and country. Like, like it's just, no, nobody wants that.
3: <laughs> well, and like you said, like they all have these sort of like bait and switch. Like the second one, we're like not sure who the bad Terminator is and the third one. And then this one is like the bait and switch, or the third one is with like, Kate Brewster is actually part of it now. Like so we brought in the te- second character or whatever. But like, this one is, like, the bait and switch is that, like, uh, the whole fact that Linda Hamilton or Sarah Connor, sorry, they're just, like, the two are the same. Yeah.
1: yeah
3: that, like, already know what's going to happen, right? Like, we we meet her in the in 1984 thinking that that's the first time that she's going to be made aware of the future, but she's already been living this future yeah. since she was said eight years old or whatever right so like that was like to me that was that was a great twist like i was like oh that would be really cool to think of that alternate timeline of events now
1: yeah
3: you didn't need to do a second one like that was kind of enough right like i think anyway
2: well it's sort of kicking down a multiverse door like it seems like they could make endless amount of terminator movies with different variations of every single character and none of them will be the ones that we loved
3: <laughs> well and well, so I am going to say this now before we kind of get into the sixth one is like I and I was telling you this before but like I really do think of it as like the two distinct trilogies now where it's like there's the James Cameron Terminator movies and there's like the other Terminator movies and yeah. when I think of like timelines and how they all together and pieces and things like that so, so when yeah when my sister was asking like can i show my kids this? i was like yeah but you don't need to watch she's like there's six i don't want to watch six terminator movies <laughs> my sister and i very different. and i was like you really could probably get away with just watching one two and three or sorry one two and six right as like a trilogy and like you could watch three four and five if you wanted and you just wanted a movie which she would never do but like but you don't like to get the full story probably just watch one and two but if you wanted to make it a trilogy you could throw six in there because you also like what happened. <laughs> so like yeah like that's why i kind of like really appreciated rewatching. them like you said five, would i watch them again sure if someone wanted to see them would i recommend hey i think you're the human in a like genesis like yeah i don't really know if i have a friend that i would say that to necessarily It seems,
2: it's weirdly unnecessary, like it seems none of the really sequels after the second one are quote necessary, but it feels like this is the least necessary of the sequels to me. Like it feels like fan fiction or some sort of tangent universe, you know? And once again, with the Aliens franchise, I give them lots of points every time they give a new director. They try and find somebody who's really interesting. They'll pick a David Fincher or, 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 or you know, yeah. somebody to pass the baton on from Ridley Scott. The director of this movie's previous film was the wor- one of the worst Marvel movies made, Thor The Dark World. <laughs> right. I just I, it feels like they didn't know what they had here or that somebody involved in the production didn't really value the Terminator franchise the way that they should have. They made a competent, watchable sci-fi movie for general audiences. But to me, they made a very frustrating Terminator movie. Once again, oh. if I could separate myself from the Terminator, I could watch this and say, yeah, it distracted me. It's pretty. It's efficient. I've got J.K. Simmons, one of my favorite supporting actors. Uh, I, I really yeah. like him. And like he doesn't have a lot to do in the movie, but I always welcome seeing that dude. Like I just thank you for being there. But it's just... It, yeah. it feels unnecessary. It, it feels, in a way, the least necessary of all of these movies. Not that all of them are necessary. But this one, just... Meh. Meh. I had the same
3: reaction to him.
2: Where I was like, oh, i <laughs> And then he you know. disappears from the movie. He's in two yeah. separate timelines, and then he banishes. Like, if they cut all of those scenes, the movie probably wouldn't notice it. But... I just like J.K. Simmons, man. I just like and then, it. then, you
3: know, our character wants to go back to one part time and then the other character, like, so then, it was like, I don't know. I, I was trying to figure it all out. And I found this one a little bit easier to, I wasn't, like I said with the last one, Salvation, I was like distracted. Yeah. And so for this one, I like, purposely was like, I'm going to watch this. Like, I, I'm on a podcast, I gotta do this. Don't want to get distracted. So i like, but if I would have done that, probably would have similar, like, yeah, this is good, but like I'm gonna have and do something else while I'm watching. Right. right. Like it wasn't totally like I said, like with like Terminator Two, like I put it on with the intention of doing other things while I'm watching it because I've seen it so many times. But it got, and it. I will never not be able to watch that movie from beginning to end. Yeah. Right? So then were the like four or five, I can kind of put on and just, like, do other things,
2: right? It, background, yeah. But again, that's not necessarily a ringing endorsement, either. Again. That's fair. I, I It falls back on, I guess, one of my classic rank-and-review lines. It's fine. <laughs> yeah.
1: There's nothing, like, terrible. There's nothing
3: terrible about it. Like, there really isn't anything that, like, bright, like, jumps out and is just, that I uh, get yeah, actually I'm gonna say the pop line, sorry, there is something I yeah. can't get over it. That is that is something that really bothers me. Yeah. And like but yeah, like it's, it's fine. It's okay. Like whatever. Fix your cup of coffee with the flames
2: all around you. But considering where we started, considering our enthusiasm for the first two movies, the fact that we're this dispassionate I think says something. Yeah,
3: because, yeah. Especially because Sarah Connery was brought back. Like I went thinking that would like up this movie for me a little bit more and it
0: it didn't who are you
1: my name is sarah connor i never seen one like you before almost human
0: i am human
1: why do you care what happens to her because I was her.
0: How do we win? We win. ...by keeping you alive. (laughs) I'm
2: going hunting. All right, Terminator, Dark Fate, take two. (laughs) Um, Tim Miller, the director of Deadpool, brought on to bring us a new Terminator movie. Jim Cameron is producing, and he has a story credit on this one. So that's exciting. But the real marquee thing that would bring people back, so we'd hoped, would be Linda Hamilton reprising the role of Sarah Connor. In the previous review, we were talking about what do you think like Terminator fans want and don't want from the series. And because this movie ignores the three previous films that we've just reviewed and takes everything from the point of the end of Terminator 2... What we see is, is that a few months after the end of Terminator 2, John Connor is executed by a Terminator in front of his mother. And it's a shocking way to start the movie. And for me, right away, as a Terminator fan, it kind of made me, put me in a position of the movie having to win me back. Because I've spent so many ta- so much time, so many years, invested in the character of John Connor, that if the first thing you're going to do is kill him pretty indifferently, um, as a pre-credit sort of sequence, you're going to have to earn this. Okay? So I will take points of... Yeah, I just didn't like the way they handled that. I'm not saying you're not allowed to kill John. I just think if you're going to do it, make it count more. The other thing I'm going to say... Is it
3: better sa- than being a bad
2: robot? Say that again, sorry?
3: Is it slightly better than being a bad robot? It's, like-
2: well, if his death counted more, it would be better than him being a bad robot. If he died to save the future, you know? Or if, like... He died to save his mother. Like he just was in the wrong place at the wrong time and he's gunned down and doesn't, you know, the other thing is, is that I think because the people wanted to give us Sarah Connor, we haven't had Sarah Connor for so long that she becomes this hyper badass, which is familiar to us, but she's also this zinger machine. A lot of her lines are super macho, super punchy, kind of like one liners. To the point where at times she just doesn't feel as real as the Sarah Connor from the first two movies to me. She feels much more like an action movie archetype than she ever has before. And maybe that's the evolution that we've gone through since it's much more commonplace to see kick-ass women now. It's less of a deal. But um, everything that I was really excited by about sort of the, the growth and the the, tra- the change through that character... Here we've seen, like, she grew more significantly between Terminator 1 and Terminator 2. Like, vastly more significantly than she did between Terminator 2 and Dark Fate. And in that time, her son has died, and she has spent a lifetime fighting these evil robots and becoming this hardened warrior. I like Linda Hamilton as an actress, and I like that character, but for me, it didn't knock that out of the park for me. It's the action set pieces and the momentum of the movie that keeps me going. In the end of the day, it's the sort of, it's a nuts and bolts success of the action elements of the movie that keeps me going. And what I wanted to be was be just be foaming at the mouth about Linda Hamilton and about how excited I am to be back with Sarah Collin and how amazing Linda Hamilton is. And at the end of the day, she's not the thing about the movie that I love the most. And I wanted her to be the thing about the movie that I love the most. I'm not as hard on Dark okay, Fate. Well, Sorry?
3: I can like contrast then because like, I read the character totally different. Okay. Me, so like, I, and again, I'm coming to this from like a romanticized, hyped up, like, version. Like, people started sending me, as soon as this movie was released, people were sending me like, hey, did you hear Linda <laughs> <"The laughs> Hamilton back?" Like, I was getting texts and Facebook messages and and like, so I know that I had hyped this up in my head and then with that hype there's like this chance of being this obviously right like but like I just read her as like so her like she terminated to ends John gets killed like two months later so she doesn't even really get any extra time with him really
2: nope
3: and like she spent the life her the rest of her life fighting robots on her own as like kind of a hermit and I read her as like, those jokes and those singers because they were funny, but they didn't land quite right. They were kind of just, like, they seemed out of place. And I almost read her, like, in her own sort of robotic way, is just, like, she hasn't interacted with humans now for how many years? Like, the time lapse between Terminator 2, Judgment Day, and this movie, she's just been on her own. And so now she's, like, thrown back into group dynamics and she just doesn't know how to talk to people, and she doesn't fucking care.
1: Yeah. She's
3: just like, so I just kind of read her as like, whatever, like I don't, I know how to kill robots, and I know, and like, I really like, like this is a terrible line, but the line where she's like, I kill Terminators, and then I drink till I blackout, that's like, like. <laughs> Like, that's again, like, I really
1: appreciate it.
2: Like, there's, for every know, one of those, Rayleigh, there's a couple that just suck, I think. Like, yeah, we saved true. the lives of 30 billion people. You're welcome. Fuck you, yeah. Sarah. Fuck you. Like, come on. A <laughs> bit of a
3: martyr. That was the one that did the martyr piece really bothered Where she's like, oh, so you're going to be the mother who saves all humanity. I don't know, like.
2: To me, I just, I think Peter her as a martyr. Yeah. It's, they've deprived the heart from her. And I think that makes sense. Like when John dies, so does her heart. But Sarah Connor without the heart, that's a big piece of the puzzle to me. Like I said, I think that the action yeah. set pieces, uh, Mackenzie Davis plays this augmented super soldier from the future. Um, she does a pretty good job of kicking ass almost a better job at kicking ass than the Linda Hamilton character. By the way, the movie was set up spoilers. The, the Mackenzie Davis character ends up sacrificing herself um, at the end of the movie t- to, to save the day, <laughs> to save this woman that they're there to save. And to me, yeah. the movie is set up and the, the, everything that we've seen is that Sarah Connor probably should have been the person to make that sacrifice unfortunately when they made this movie they were hoping to do three more terminator movies like they were hoping to really start the ball rolling and keep it up but nobody showed up i think that it was just the diminishing returns of salvation and genesis people were just not excited for another terminator movie or at least very willing to wait for home video or to watch it at home as opposed to line up for it but i don't know It doesn't feel like a satisfactory endpoint for that character. It was nice to see her again, but it wasn't it didn't justify itself to me. So like I said, I I just sort of fell back on the super robot fights, which superficially work. They were great.
3: I really like the new model of the terminator. Like every time they've upped it a little bit and they've given them more powers.
2: So I
3: like the extra powers that this that this Terminator got in this movie, how we can like remove his and be like in two separate places at the same time. Um I thought who's the name I can't think of the name of the actor who plays the Terminator.
2: Um uh, it is Gabriel Luna.
3: He is great, like he was a great Terminator. Uh and I like Danny. I really liked the character of Danny. Honestly, like she was the one that had the heart.
2: Connor's just become this,
3: like, robot.
2: You know, dried up. She's become a robot. I wonder if that was yeah. deliberate. But it, yeah. it, her jokes undercut that. If she'd stopped being a zinger machine, I could have maybe found that interesting, that Sarah Connor has been so emotionally destroyed that she's essentially become a Terminator herself. But the movie is not brave enough to go there. <laughs> and so, like,
3: Danny has a lot of heart, you know? She's kind of the next. And next, you know, like, and I believed her, like, yeah. and I liked her, and I, I voted for her. Like, I wanted her to be successful. Like, I really, really bought into her character and wanted her to succeed in her mission or whatever it is that she's gonna do. You don't really find out why she's important to the future, right? Until much later in the movie, like, we don't know what role she plays in the resistance later on.
2: Well, that's the big, I think, win that they're supposed to... The feminist sort of win angle that they're supposed to make for this movie is that she's not just the mother of the future. She's the savior of the future. Um, Which, uh, again, Sarah calls that early in the movie when she says, you're the new John. She doesn't say, you're the new me. You're not the mother of the future. You're the new John. She somehow smells this on her or intuits it on her. But it's terribly on the nose for her to say that. Isn't it? Like... You're the new John?
3: <laughs> yeah. Um, and this is our first movie without John, really. Like, we see him in the flashback, but, I mean, we don't have him as a character. Yeah. In this movie at all.
2: I think this is the first one without Connor, John Connor,
3: sorry. Yeah. Which really interesting. But we're back to having Skynet. <laughs> yeah, Skynet's back with a vengeance. Not like this. The other three, anything that happens. Sarah Connor's not dead, they didn't find guns in her tomb. Like all that's <laughs> fine. I like that James Cameron just came back and was like, Yeah, you guys fucked all that up. This is my story and this is
2: what I'm gonna do now. <laughs> it's also just a very popular thing to do these days. Uh like the there's there's been nine entries in this series so far and it's such a convoluted mess. We're gonna restart it. The Halloween franchise did that recently too. It's just like nothing happened after the first Halloween. Now it's Halloween twenty eighteen or whatever it was. <clears throat> well, also
3: like the Grace wasn't a terminator, so it kind of added that like this augmented
2: human, yeah. right? And uh-huh. she's touchy about people calling her a robot. No, I am not a fucking yeah. robot. <laughs> yeah, and so it added like just
3: another layer of that humanity piece yeah. to her. We didn't have to
1: teach
3: her how to be a human like we did with Arnold Schwarzenegger's character, right? Yeah. With Danny and her, right? Um, and then, like, we get to see Linda and Arnold together again after how many years? And she ate him because it was his model that came
2: back, right? It was that specific Terminator that killed her son. Um, yeah. That was another interesting thing, like, um, how that Terminator decided to be good. His timeline was eradicated. So he's lost in time. Uh, He kills John Connor and then he doesn't have a purpose anymore. He's not getting any secondary orders. And he either turns on his learning chip or that automatically happens. And he becomes arguably more of a human character than Sarah fucking Connor. (laughs) Which is strange. And his name is Carl. (laughs) All of the names are
3: like, Carl is like, I don't know.
2: It was just gonna be like I'm Paul. I preferred this. I preferred this iteration of the Terminator to the previous one, where they were doing all the bits where he was smiling awkwardly and like they were sort of making him more goofy. I think they were going for a little bit more of a tragic, sad trajectory for this Terminator. He killed. Yeah, he killed John Carpenter, and he genuinely, John Carpenter, he killed. (laughs) He killed John Connor, and he genuinely regrets it. And he wants That's to...
3: He's all the timeline.
2: <laughs> yeah, he's he trying to redeem himself. And the idea of a, a robot trying to redeem himself, again, is an interesting sci-fi kind of construct. The movie doesn't go super deep with it, but I, I, like I said, it's better than him being kind of comic relief. Um, yeah,
1: definitely.
2: I also uh, think whatever happens with Terminator moving forward, we need to retire Arnold from the Terminator franchise. I love Arnold. I genuinely love Arnold. I'm not saying he needs to retire from acting, but he's an old man. He's an old man, and and Terminators don't age. I mean, even if the e- flesh exoskeleton beyond it does, like you know what I'm saying. I think, unfortunately, it's I I think it's unfair that Dark Fate bombed so badly. Like it certainly didn't deserve the rebuke that it got. I don't think it's amazing, but I think that it's as Terminator sequels go better than a lot of them. But again, oh, sure. I remain unexcited by it. Like it's unfortunate that it bombed, but in a way, maybe it saved us for future lame Terminator sequels. The pro- my guess is it'll probably I go. Went, I went on the
3: opening weekend. I made my friend go on the opening weekend, and I think we're like the only four people out of like maybe 20 yeah. in
1: the whole theater. And I was yeah. like,
2: Do you guys not understand? <laughs> Where are all the people? Where is everybody? Well, I think, again, it was that was earned by the losses of the previous couple of sequels. Just people were less excited about the Terminator movie. But I think that in an, an alternate universe where it was a big hit and we move forward with more Terminators and Schwarzenegger continued to age, I don't know. My guess is it's going to move to TV or there'll be more Terminator in our future. But I think a new age of Terminator needs to start. You're right, though.
3: Like I hadn't really thought about it, it like at the end of the movie movie. Right? um, Danny and Sarah driving off like they could have also retired Sarah's role if Danny and Grace would have driven off and that would have been something I would have loved to right like if Danny and Grace became like the next reiteration of the like that would have been a nice revival storyline I think right Um, as much as I'm committed to the character Sarah Connor and I will go if she comes back in the seventh line. I just, I do, yeah. And I kind of like that they did, um, so again, there's like the Legion in this one, so that was a little bit different. And then, so the classic one of the many classic lines, like you were saying sometimes, like you wish you'd change it up a bit, is like, that come with me if you want to live.
1: Yeah.
3: we're like waiting for it in this one, and Grace changes it just enough. Do you remember what she said when we first meet her? I can't remember,
2: but I know that she twists it just slightly.
3: Just enough, because I was like, <gasps> but then she changes so it says come with me or you have 30 seconds to live Yeah, or something like that right Yeah, it's like so it's there that seed is there that like throwback is there but like we you know we're in a different Terminator now you know or no it's different so I kind of appreciated those like and then Sarah Connor is the one who delivers the ultimate I'll back line and mm-hmm. it was
2: just, like really bad <laughs> but I, like, yeah I don't know it's it still ends up being kind of a two and a half to three star terminator movie when all is said and done it i'm I more like it for what it's trying to be or what it wants to be than what it is but i'm a fan of the franchise generally and i'm constantly cheering for it um dark fate's not as bad as everybody says but it's still just not the terminator sequel that i wanted
3: i liked it and i watch it quite frequently i revisit it quite a bit and like similar i mean nothing can compare to the like word scenes in terminator 2 but like yeah. The fight scene in the uh, immigration, the tent, like the detention for the immigration, like that immigrants, like that was a great fight scene where like they're releasing all the immigrants and like they're in jail, and then Grace and Sarah say to each other like if, if they said you're with you, like you need to help her, and like they're like then they become a team because like they know now that the ultimate goal is protect Annie, right? Yeah, they are really working together before they get detained, and I just. I like the breakout scene. I like that Danny's the one who has the like sketchy uncle who's going to get them across the border. Like it's not there. You think she would have all these connections, but like she is this sort of loner now, yeah. right? Like she doesn't really have. When they go into the basement and Arnold has all those guns.
2: <laughs> yeah. He's like, I don't know, it's exit. <laughs> he's uh, at distance, that was also kind of funny. I don't know. I wasn't in it enough to not think around the corners. When she said she was going to go contact her uncle, I was like well, the Terminator is going to assimilate your uncle because he's going to anticipate that move. I mean, that's what the Terminators have done in every single other movie, but not this one because reasons, right? Right. Um, I just, I don't know. There was part of me working against it, and maybe that's more my fault than the movie's fault. And again, I've only, I'm new to it. Uh, All of the other Terminator sequels that I've reviewed, I actually liked more when I revisited than my first experience of them. And I'm assuming that that will be the same for Dark Fate, but still coming in as much as it, it the trailer looked like uh, the Terminator movie i had been waiting for, the end product wasn't. It's maybe closer to what I wanted a Terminator sequel to be than most of the other ones, but yeah, it doesn't quite close the deal for me. I still stand by the fact it didn't deserve the rebuke it got, but I, I still just, I would file it under good, but not great.
3: And the other thing, too, like you were saying in the third one, he's super campy and he's like smirking at the camera and trying to be funny and it just didn't work. Yeah, no. And in this one, he's not, but he says these lines that are just like really funny. Like the Texas line was funny, I chuckled. And then
2: he uh, doesn't ask for the laugh as much, though. He just says it.
3: Like he is, and then when he's talking about like how him and his wife or partner's relationship and it's not physical and whatever. And he goes because I'm caring and kind. I take good care of them, and I and I'm very funny. It's like this is so not a funny line, <laughs> and his delivery is so dry and deadpan, and just like off that it ends up being really, really funny to me when he's like, "This is not someone you would be with because he's funny." Yeah. So I think that that was like the humor in that line was that he's not a funny character, and I, I appreciated it quite a bit.
2: Yeah um again the the comedy the comedy has become more and more of a thing that has become expected in the terminator movies i kind of liked that the first terminator didn't have very much comedy at all and at least the second terminator the comedy came out naturally through the characters the later into the franchise it just seemed like here's a zinger here's a comedy line here's a beat of comedy so that we can take a breath before the next action sequence i just it feels more calculated to me than it had in the past
1: there was between Hamilton and Cameron on the set (laughs)
2: my guess is Cameron got a paycheck and wasn't anywhere near the set that would be my guess I I don't know that he has a story credit and a producer credit but by all accounts he and Linda Hamilton do not do not do the same room (laughs) so um yeah I guess that's where I land it's okay it's not deserving of the beating that it got but nor is it the sequel I've been waiting for that's where I land
3: yeah, I mean, maybe I just have a little bit more romantic version of it filled up in my head, but I appreciated it. Like, I I went into it excited. I I appreciated the throwbacks, and I thought the action scenes were good, the fight scenes were good. Like, it gave me kind of everything I kind of wanted, with the exception of um, there's, there's, like, I don't know what's going to come next. Like, I don't know if I want to revisit these characters for that much longer. Right. Like, I feel like I'm... A little bit done with, like, again, you're just going to keep, anyway, If I timeline and you like, you can keep doing it over and over and over again. It's like Doctor Who with a new reiteration of the
1: next, yeah.
3: right? But, but do I need that? I don't, I don't know if I need that. <laughs> I will go and see it every time and I don't know if I need it. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Um, yeah, I don't know what more I wanna say about Dark Fate. Did you get enough out there? All right. I think I'm good. Let's rank these time traveling sci-fi Aww. mad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Don't look for shark of your business. What? 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 Don't look for shark of your business. 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 Don't look
2: we did it ray lee we did it we've got through all of those terminator movies and uh i appreciate your enthusiasm for the genre and um i hope i didn't disappoint you with my hot takes on some of these um it sounds to me like we're going to agree that the first two terminators were the best but i'm guessing that we're going to have different lists the way our conversations have leaned but that's okay we can still part friends um these are these are tough movies to kind of get your head around. They're They're kind of all over the place, and there's no obvious bottom, I guess. There's an obvious top for me, but I don't think there's an obvious bottom. Uh, Rayleigh, what is your least favorite of these six Terminator movies, and why?
1: Uh,
3: So, my least favorite is Terminator 4 Salvation. It was the one that I just, like, was just the least invested in the character, and I... I, again, I can watch it. It was fine. There's nothing There's nothing wrong with any of these movies. I quite enjoy them as a whole. But as far as, like, I just wasn't invested in it, and I wasn't something like I would actively see out again. But if it was on, I'd watch it.
2: So bottom of the list, Salvation.
3: Yeah. Second one, or next up, is Genesis. Five. Uh, the time travel stuff just really bothers me, and I just yeah, it just really bothered me that the father figure of Arnold Schwarzenegger was a Taylor character, and yeah, so it was number five. Genesis. Next one. Yep. Is, is probably. I don't know. Maybe we're gonna start different. Is actually Terminator Three: Rise of the Machines. Get over the campiness of some of the really the humor, and for me this was a departure from Sarah Connor. So like one and two have that character who that is like we we're kind of talking about like who actually is the protagonist and like are you following John Connor's narrative or are you following Sarah Connor's? For me, like she's always been the, the movie what the movie's about and her storyliner. But what the movie's about, like John Connor is super important, but like there's because she departs in this one, I think I just couldn't get over it. And it was just, like, not scary. It wasn't... It was, like, funny. And I don't know. I liked the first two and the sort of impending doom that comes from them. And this one just got rid of all of that. And so that was my third, number four. And so then the number three is Dark Fate, because she comes back and I get to see her again. Yep. And I like Grace and Danny. Like, I mean, I think, again, that sort of like feminist narrative of like, for the first time, our trio, until they meet up again with Carl, uh, <laughs> we have these like three women just like
2: kicking ass and like not having any help from men. No, they brought really the really girl weird. power back to the franchise and that was very yeah, welcome.
3: Yeah, and I think they tried to do that with Amelia Clark, and it just failed, but in this one I really felt that like that was just really great. And and Grace was a great, like, savior figure that comes back to help. Like, Danny was great. She had a lot of heart. Grace was a great person, like fighter. She's tough. And then they, they meet Sarah Connor, and she just adds to that trio, and I really appreciated it. And then they drove off at the end. uh It's like a fucked up version of Thelma and Louise, and I just am like, oh, man, I'd want to be in that Jeep with Sarah Connor. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Shit's gonna go down. Uh, I don't think Danny knows what she's getting herself into. Uh, so then, this, the first two were so hard for me, like the top two spots, because ultimately, the next one is Terminator One. Um, I I think it's the better movie of the two original, like the first two, and revisiting it. Um, I I I to like this movie more every time I see it. Every time I come back to it, I'm amazed that it was made in 1984. I'm amazed at how good it is. I'm like, I just, it just gets better and better. Instead of getting worse and worse, as it gets more dated, which you think would happen. Um, so I, I really like this movie. But ultimately, Terminator 2 is my favorite. And I just, because it just made such an impact on me, uh, when I watched it for the first time and I just like I also think it's probably one of the first like bad movies I was allowed to watch like I probably didn't have a lot of like action fight movies before this um, Also like just like I think it again like it was this, this Environment in which I was able to watch the movie that made such an impact on me um, And it just it is, like I said just one of the movies that I have revisited Time and time again, and time someone's
2: like, "Do hey,
1: you want to watch Terminator I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, for sure." When? How? What time? It's what not.
2: It's not hard to, to revisit. T two has remarkable rewatchability to it. Yeah. well wow, that's and, a good that's a good list, really Sorry, were you done, sir? So, like, like going back and
3: really like pulling apart Terminator One and just like it's also the seeds of everything. Like, it, this was a really the first two, like, I've gone back and forth so many times before before
1: we went after this. Like I like I really didn't know, but I just
2: like I just had to put judgment day at the top. I understand That's that <laughs> That's a good list. I understand that decision. I'm part of me almost wishes that you'd inverted the number one and number two, because if you had done that, we would have gone zero for six. <laughs> what? We didn't go no. zero we didn't go zero for six but if you had inverted your top two we would have here's my list um again it's close i'm not super passionate about it but i i'm not this is just where i ended up at the end of the day out of these six movies genesis was the movie that as a terminator fan was the one that i least wanted i did not want a revisionist you know portrayal of of Sarah or of Reese, and I didn't want to see John Connor as the bad guy. Just as a fan of the Terminator franchise, that was the one that hurt my fandom the most. So uh, I decided to put that on the bottom. But you're not wrong about salvation being super bland. Like, as far as paying attention to the characters and the story and the the through line of it, it it doesn't doesn't engage the same way. That's of all of the movies, Salvation is the sound off movie. The movie that, like, visually is impressive more than almost anything else. <laughs> so
3: you're saying you chose Genesis just because it, like, undermined the characters
2: for yeah. you? Yeah. It's uh, not, okay. yeah, it's just not what I wanted as a Terminator fan. Yeah. I mean, fair. say what you will about the, you know, Christian Bale and, you know, the younger version of Kyle Reese, I didn't feel like. They didn't feel separated completely from everything else. It wasn't. I could tell myself this was the same John Connor in a way like I couldn't in Genesis. It's a near thing. So uh, Genesis in sixth place, Salvation in fifth place. This is the part where you get mad at me. Dark Fate in fourth place. I think I there's something about the writing with Linda Hamilton in this part like, They just... Like, I understand the instinct. Sarah Connor is badass. Make her badass. But without the heart, she becomes a robot. And without acknowledging that she's a robot, I think I got to take some points away. I think part of it is, too, that she was so amazing in Terminator 2 that she could almost not compete with herself. Like, that performance in Terminator 2 was just like chef kiss. Like, just... Well done. So Well
3: and it's just like not just in Terminator world. Like yeah. it's just like look at performances of women in these movies, it's like pop. No Every time
2: for me. And I'm sorry again, I hate to be mean about it. She feels real in Terminator 2 in a way she doesn't feel real to me in Dark Fate. I know that's unkind, Rayleigh, but that's kind of how I felt. As an action movie those emotional, I just hurt your feelings so bad. As an action movie, the, the the action set pieces are well done. He directed Deadpool, and say what you will about Deadpool. It's got some amazing action in it, right? So um, it, it's it's a fun movie. It's it's worth the watch. It doesn't deserve to be dismissed or anything like that. But, yeah, I put Dark Faith in fourth. The reason I made three go all the way to third place, because I did take a pretty hot, wet shit on it when we reviewed it. The, the humor doesn't work. Wall to wall, the humor in that movie, if I could remove it, I would. It's the third act. It's the fact that that movie leads to Judgment Day and the fact that I didn't see it coming. And it's one of the few times in the franchise where a legitimate twist took place where I didn't see it coming. The movie kind of outsmarted me a little bit. Um, maybe I was lulled into a false sense of security by some of the you know softer edges early in it that I, I didn't expect it to become smart all of a sudden, but... It edges over, but honestly, that and Dark Fate, it was a very near thing. Because as much as I find the humor corrosive in Rise of the Machines, uh, I, I there there's similar issues. Like they're so close those two, but we're gonna fall into agreement for the top two though. Terminator nineteen eighty. 1980... The... Sorry. I will say
3: like back to that like rise. Of like that end scene and the realization of what's happened—that that moment was like, wow, this is
1: great.
3: Yeah, it was
2: well, well executed. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, go. Uh, so, Terminator nineteen eighty four will be number two. Um, for the time that it was made, it it's just an epic, you know, amazing pseudo slasher cyberpunk, whatever you want to call it. It's groundbreaking. It's influential. Its teeth are so dug into the '80s. There's so many action movies and horror movies that came out after this that are emulating it. If you watch a, a slash movie from the '80s called The Hitcher, there's a sequence where Rudger Hour takes out an entire police precinct in a very Terminator-esque way, and you can just feel the fingerprints of Terminator all over it. It's an incredibly influential, you know, important movie of its decade, and it still works. Front to back today. Terminator 2 Judgment Day is the one that is the most personal to me. It came out in like the middle of my high school year. I watched it like probably a half a dozen times in theaters. I had a friend of mine who paid like $70 for a VHS copy of the director's cut (laughs) of Terminator 2. It's hard to undercut how huge Terminator 2 was in the zeitgeist like none of the other movies really come close to it as far as the the scale of the popularity and the influence and you know from a screenplay level i might agree with you ray that the first terminator is probably the most efficient through line narratively concise of all of the terminator movies but t2 is the one that i love the most it's just the one that i love the most so it had to be number one that's my list
3: We kind of
1: have
3: like a little bit of very 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 close. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I kind of surprised that
1: Dark Phase was not higher on
2: your list. I'm not understand. <laughs> Is there something I about, about like a movie? I always, I think, now... yeah. Go ahead. No, there's just something about a movie that surprises you. You know. Like I was genuinely surprised by the third act of Rise of the Machines. As much as I entered, it was entertained by Dark Fate. I wasn't particularly surprised by anything that happened in it necessarily. So, I that was the sort of one thing. But it, it it's very close, really. It's very close. Thank you so much for coming back to doing another episode of Rank and Review. I really appreciate it. Thank
3: you for letting me watch all the Terminator movies and talking about <laughs> them at length with everyone
2: else in my life too scary to to Terminator movies. <laughs> well a, a lot of my uh regular female contributors have either been completely swamped in the age of covid or have moved away and i've been actively trying to find you know i like to get a female perspective on things and like a variety to my guests so i value you as a friend and as a person but i especially appreciate you being a female voice on this, especially for the Terminator franchise, because we could have just had a couple of dudes going over how awesome all the explosions were and glossed over the girl power. I had boob bro, like, you know? it great. Is there anything you'd like to say to our listeners or the people of the internet before we put a bow on this episode of Rankin Review? No, I
3: think I'm good.
2: Rayleigh Perkins shall return to the podcast and we're going to discuss some strange animals so everybody look forward to that <laughs> Wow, you guys, we did it. We managed to make sense out of six Terminator movies. But uh, do we get it right? Do we get it wrong? The only way that I'm going to know is if you let me know. And the only way to let me know is to write me at rankinreview at gmail.com. That's r a n k n r e v i e w at gmail.com. Please check out the website at rankinreview.ca. Please tell that other movie, Freak in Your Life, about the podcast Rankin Review, and if there's other podcasts you'd like to cram into your ears, I would like to recommend some to you. There is The Terror Table, there's The Shelf Shedding Movie Show, there's Cobwebs, a gothic horror podcast, and there's Welcome to Riverdale. These are all podcasts that are friendly to Rankin Review, so I would invite you to invite them into your ears. Rankin Review drops every other Wednesday. Thank you for being here.